Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When I was two years old, when I was dedicated to the cause of Lucifer, I was at that point a seventh generation witch. I was laying there, practically naked, and I had her hold me as if I was naked. I couldn't talk, I couldn't open my eyes, I, I believe my eyes were all right back in my head. There was evidence of human sacrifice on this fight. One of my first questions I asked was God. It is upon us, the end of the year that is 2016. Oh, thank God. Are you ready for it to be over? I I am ready. I'm beyond ready. Yeah. This is it. This is our kind of like year in review show. This has been such a shit year. And we have in the studio, we've got Luke. Second time in a row. It's amazing. It's Luke playing on his phone. Yay. (laughs) It's always good to have you here, Luke. Come I've, on, man. I've got paper and I've got pens. And if you want to draw something, you know, you don't have to be on your phone the whole time. Mm-hmm. I'll draw mm-hmm. a picture of Dr. Future. <laughs> there we go. And then, yeah, we, we can release that as like a, a wallpaper. Yeah. It's your normal wallpaper. Yeah. All right. Give me a notepad. All right. <laughs> <laughs> of which uh, Luke uh, actually just mentioned the guest that we have on. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, I had to get him on at least sometime this year because he's been kind of uh, he's been kind of like living as a hermit in his in his cave for the last year or so. That's really uh, a unibomber, actually. Yeah, yeah. Have you uh, have, have you started mailing those out yet? My manifestos. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to get them done, but I, I keep getting these rogue calls to do interviews, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it stops. It stops me right when I'm on the verge of releasing it. So mm-hmm. it it's like satanic attack mm, yeah. that I'm under. Yeah, or like Beals above Lord of the Flies. They just come around asking for interviews. <laughs> yeah, that's no, what no, that's what no we offense. do. You know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean any offense to you with that. Comparing you to flies and bills above. Well, it's just been a long time since we've had you on. And yeah, that was the last time we actually had you on here was episode 100. And this is 146. So uh, that was a year ago, two days from now. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Really? Really? Actually, it was and December 12th. Was that? I thought it was the 20th. Yeah. Yeah. You're a centerpiece of the alt right and the fake news movement. Mm-hmm. Since <laughs> I was on here last time. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean that happens. Everybody comes to us now for uh-huh. you know their fake news. Yeah, I saw Drudge. <laughs> Drudge was uh, bragging on his site that you mentioned him several times on there. Oh well, yeah, good. It legitimized him. Did it say in like big bold letters, "Conspiranormal" rec- uh, mentions Matt Drudge on Conspiranormal? Uh-huh. So, says it, so it says it twice. Yeah. Yeah. Flashing light at the top. Yeah. Good, because that was in the agreement. Right. Yeah. Well. Next thing, John Podesta will be calling you all to come to some of his dinner parties. Uh oh. No, I don't know about that now. We're going to have. Them. Are we going to do some spirit cooking? What? <laughs> Probably just in the interview. Metaphorical <laughs> spirit cooking. We're going to have uh, Marina Abramovich. You know, there with us uh-huh. doing yeah. some spirit cooking. Are you yeah. gonna? Are you gonna attend? I mean, you're invited to attend if we go to the spirit cooking event, uh-huh. Mike. Hey, if anybody wants to see how those really are, I recommend they watch a movie called Shriek of the Mutilated. Uh huh. Yeah. And you can see it realistically. You can, I think you can even find it on YouTube. It's one of the best Yeti movies you'll find. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's like the best of the genre of the Yeti movie, right? Right. It's the Citizen Kane of Yeti movies. <laughs> well, every every genre has to have its Citizen Kane, so right. I, I can and I don't want I could definitely see that. No, right. no, no, absolutely right. not. But if you if you stick around to the end of that movie, you'll see sort of like the crowd conspiracy normal hangs out with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what that's what we do. Shriek of the mutilated. I'm sure we're accused of hanging out with the uh, with the uh, spirit cooking crowd. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure it happens. Well, uh, Shriek of the Mutilated was like the feel good hit of the summer when it was released. <laughs> good, it's a good date movie. Like first date. It's like on Golden Pond and Ordinary exactly. People and Shriek of the Mutilated. Right, except there's shrieking and mutilation. Except for that. <laughs> nobody, yeah, you that's know, right. Only, nobody gets nobody gets dismembered on in on Golden Pond, do they? I don't, I don't the think only that happens. Going on was by the audience having to watch it, <laughs> <laughs> being forced to watch it, kind of like in right. Clockwork Orange, where they're uh-huh, you know right. putting little drops in Malcolm McDowell's eyes. That's right. Is that what, <laughs> what happens? Like anytime you saw Henry Fonda after that, you just start throwing up. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you, you have that just initial reaction, right? Mm-hmm. The visceral one. Well, Luke is working on his picture of you. Um, really? While he's doing that, I will go Am ahead. Am I in it? Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so far. No. Well, no erotic just, drawings of Dr. Future. You just gave me a great idea, though. Thanks. Can, can you depict Dr. Future as Pan? As Pan. Yeah. <laughs> well, I suppose so. I've only started the face so far. So. Okay. You know, there's some pictures of me when I used to work at the art school you could maybe use. I, I paid my way through college as a model for the art school. <laughs> Are, there, are, there, are those still extant somewhere? I've tried to bury them. But I know they're going to reappear. It was a tough time for me. Well, what you should do is, what you should do is, you should just use each one of those for the cover of your books. And then that'll, yeah. th- that way they'll all be out there. You won't have to worry about it. But then they'd have to put like a brown wrapper over it. <laughs> it's going to be Dr. Future lounging on the Chase Lounge. About the author. <laughs> All right. Naughty <laughs> provided by Dr. Future. Well, Doc Future, the reason that I wanted to get you on is, you know, we're we're closing out the year here on the show. Well, by the way, I heard you say what a terribly crappy year it was. Is uh-huh. that what made you think about having me on for it? Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at Luke's drawing, and you you kind of look like he kind of like it looks like Hank Hill a little bit, but, really? but, but anyway. yeah, he compliments me. Yeah, I'm a mummy. <laughs> so pro- I really look more like Hank's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Propane accessories. Propane. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I wanted to get your impressions of this year, 2016. And, you know, this has been a quite a momentous year from Brexit all the way to our own election, to the protests, to the riots that we've had. Uh, I mean, it's been, uh, and, and also, you know, the, the police shootings and the riots and protests that have come out of, out of that. Uh, what, what has been kind of your impression of this, of this year, Mike? You know, I guess just off the top of my head, having thinking about it, if I could think of some kind of film, cinema kind of analogy to this year, I would probably think of Conquest of the Battle of the Apes. <laughs> Conquest, which one? Because you got Conquest, the Planet of the Apes, the Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Okay, yeah. okay. The one where, you know, uh, it was a Caesar. Uh-huh. They sort of took over. I think I think that's what the apes have taken over and... and the fall of humane, humanitarian, advanced civilizations already started this year. So, yeah. So, I think it's humanity exit right now. So, you you should play Eve of Destruction. I think that'd be a good idea. We'll do a cover uh, for the outro. You know what's so interesting is that we talk about in those terms, but the Bible prophecy crowd, of which I've come from, are now playing Happy Days Are Here Again. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, it, it at least slowed them down temporarily on the the interest in that because right now they've got the messianic rain beginning in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. So so they're on good terms. Well, this might be a good place to play this clip then. 
since we're on this subject. And I want to get your thoughts on this because this is from the Jim Baker show, which somehow has come back. But instead of just outright begging for money, he is now uh, a survivalist prepper that is selling these buckets on, uh, on his show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has these he has these food buckets that he sells to people. And lot soup in them. Yeah, it's like it's like broccoli and cheese and uh beans and a bunch of rice in a bucket and and you can have a shovel that's good for both shoveling the broccoli and cheese and scooping out a latrine. So right. this we'll is the bucket is if there's a toilet seat they sell with the same bucket too you can put on, presumably uh-huh. after you've emptied the bucket. Right, right, oh, right, yeah. right. <laughs> and, well, you take it out and then you put it back in, apparently. Right. And, and also, or like he said on his show, he said his very dramatic point was, <laughs> "What are you going to do with the doo doo?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, but they also said that you could use the buckets to set up a coffee table. So are yeah, you going to, are you going to have buckets full of human waste and then the coffee table over no, it? No, no, I mean, no, 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 it's going to work. You take, you take, you take the table off and then you put it back on. It's real simple. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> huh. We're talking, we're talking, um, what is it? Uh, uh, tiny house nation stuff here. Yeah. yeah. There you go. There you go. Okay. Multi-purpose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But th- this is uh this is someone that we both know, Dr. Future. Um that is Tom Horn. And he is talking about Donald Trump. And I I'm just going to play it. It's kind of a long clip, but hopefully I think you'll be able to hear it. And I kind of want to get your thoughts on this because this is where this is kind of the cra- where this kind of craziness He's kind of going right now. So I want you to hear it, and we'll go ahead and play it, Rob. This is our time of the church. This is the great outpouring. I believe it with all of my heart. This book, Final Fire, we're there, folks. We are in the final days. I believe you're going to hear more talk about the the great uh, uh, temple being built in Israel. Do you ever, do you believe that at all? I didn't ask you ahead of time, so maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, certainly, and there's a push for that. And did you notice that one of the very first things when Trump was elected, the the rabbis in Israel calling on him and Putin to use their international clout to do what? To rebuild the temple. Don't think this can't happen. I think impetus is on our side right now. I think we're moving towards a moment. And the rabbis over there, some of what the mystical rabbis are saying is very, very curious right now. Mm. What are, can, I, wow. can, we, can we find out right well, now? Can we just go? Yeah, yeah. yeah I want to know. They, well, I know my audience. They, yeah. <laughs> so look, I, and there's so many of these articles we've been running them at Skywatch TV almost every week right now. Uh, and so I only brought a couple of them with me. This one, Trump upset victory divinely sent to begin messianic pro- uh, process, say Israeli rabbis, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and this one, ancient secret of Daniel 70 weeks predicts end of days will come this year in 5777, which started in October last month in the Jewish calendar year and will be done by September of the coming year. So 
uh, and that, and by the way, that was Rabbi uh, uh, Mir Horowitz 300 years ago, working on Daniel's time, time, and half a time, and he wow. set a date. He set a date 300 years ago. He said, this will all happen. The Messiah will arrive. The end times will begin in the Jewish calendar year 5777. The rabbis have held that dear to them since then. What, what is that? That's 2016 to 2017. Messiah will arrive. Now, they're looking at Donald Trump. One of the rabbis illustrated how his name in the gematria, the numerology of his name actually means Messiah. Now, there's some weird stuff here that's going on. So, so think about this for a moment. In the Jewish Zohar, 700 years ago in medieval Aramaic, Orthodox Jews speculated about when will the Messiah be on the earth, right? And in the Vieira section of the Zohar, they said he will, he will arrive on earth in the year 57, he will make himself known in the year 5773, which was 2012 to 2013. Oddly enough, Trump goes to Israel in 2012, decides not to run for U.S. president, meets with heads of states, comes out of that, you can watch the, the YouTube on, on television, and he starts talking to the Jewish people, telling them to vote for Benjamin Netanyahu and the Likud party, which they did, right? Mm -hmm. Wow. The, but what the Zohar said was, he will, he will be identified. From that day and forward, there have been at least a dozen Jewish rabbis that have said, the Messiah is on earth now. He's been identified. He is soon going to make himself known. Well, some, some key things have to happen for the messianic figure in, Jewish, in the Jewish mindset. For the Messiah to arrive, you can't think of him like we think of Messiah. We think of Messiah after the model of Jesus. He's the son of God, divine birth, all of that. That's not the way the Jews look at the Messiah. They're looking for a king. They're looking for a political leader. As a matter of fact, Messiah to them means the anointed one. And it goes back to the ancient days when they would anoint a king and recognize him as this is the man mm -hmm. that God sent. And what they're looking for is several things. First of all, they're looking for uh, somebody in, in a political figure who can lead decisive battles in defense of Israel. This is why the only po politician on the face of the earth that was standing up and saying, if I'm elected president, I'm going to be the biggest friend that Israel's ever had. Yeah, yeah. We're going to undo the Iran yeah. deal. Well, blah, 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 right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and being a friend of Benjamin Netanyahu. Secondly, they're looking for, when the Messiah comes, uh, there will be an ingathering of Jews from around the world back into the Holy Land. That's why the rabbis on the eve of his election went on television and said we need to call now Jews from around the world come back to Jerusalem because the wow. Messiah is here, right? Yes. Uh, there, there's another thing. Thirdly, they talk about when he arrives, he is going to reinstitute the temple service. So what was the second thing they did? They called on Trump and Putin to use their power to rebuild the temple wow. and to reinstitute the temple service. I'm not saying that they think he is the Messiah. What I actually think is that most of the rabbis there think he's John the Baptist and the Messiah is about to appear. He's the forerunner. He's the guy that's going to start the message in the wilderness and the Messiah is going to come in on his heels and so we need the temple service. We need to get back into Israel. The Messiah. Now why are they saying that? They have identified somebody 
I mean, I, there could be a few rabbis there that think he's the Messiah. The other third key is he has to be of the Davidic dynasty. He has to be of the Davidic bloodline. And there is an effort right now to go back through the European monarchy, cousins of uh, President Donald Trump, to show that his bloodline goes back to the Davidic dynasty. Now, why are these efforts underway? I'm just saying there's something very strange here that's going on. And everything I'm saying can be very verified multiple news agencies, the Jerusalem Post, Breaking Israel News, they're all talking about this right now. So they too believe that we are in the end times. They too believe that the Messiah is about to appear. We would say the second coming is about to happen, but their Messiah is going to be a false Messiah. He's going to be the Antichrist, right? I also don't believe Donald Trump is the Antichrist. So I think that the smart ones in Israel are looking at him right now. They're saying he is God what we would call John the Baptist. He is God's messenger. When he takes over in January, there is a 5777 countdown to the appearance of the Messiah, and something could happen overnight that could lead to the reconstruction of the temple. Okay, that's it. <laughs> okay, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now, before you guys rip this apart, which I hope is your objective. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh wow. I, I, I like his argument that since he's not the Antichrist, he must be the uh, the uh, 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 John the Baptist hailing the coming of the uh, the second coming argument because that's pretty like hard to debate. But wow, man, that just hurt my head so bad. Yeah, Rob had his head <laughs> in his hands the whole time. So you listen to that, Doc Future. I'd love to get your insights onto that. That's a lot to unpack there. Well, exactly, yeah, I don't think is. we have to unpack the whole thing, but th- I think yeah. this is pretty indicative of where we are. It is. Right it absolutely now. is. And, and, and I'll let you go first before, like, cause I, I still got to really collect my thoughts for a second. After <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Let me, let me say a couple things I heard that I agree with because there's not much. And then we can spend the <laughs> time speaking about the other. Okay. One is, um, uh, Tom Horn said there's something strange going on, mm-hmm. and I will agree with him on that. Yeah, for sure. The, the rub the rub is what the strange is going on. Who's involved? Is there a supernatural assistance going on to it, which is a worthy discussion? At least on this show, you have an audience of people who are educated but yet willing to consider that. Is there something going on, and for what purpose? And that's, that's the real challenge, if there is that... Um, you know, who has the white hats and the black hats in this? And that's the difficulty. Um, I, I was a little relieved at the end to, for him to say that this this uh, uh, Messiah they're going to receive will be the Antichrist. I would think that would disagree with a whole lot of other Christians who are into the prophecy stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm afraid that they're not going to be wise enough to realize that, that that's what Scripture shows. But based upon my studies of Judaism that I used for my volume three that I wrote, there's some deeper things going on, and there's some things that Christians ought to be dancing about if, in fact, this kind of stuff is coming about. Because the Christians are the one that's going to have the target on their head, and these people that they're supporting, if they do what their texts say that they're going to do, uh, we're not going to get a pat on the back for anybody who's helped get this temple going and things like that. Uh huh. Yeah, I can elaborate more if you, if you want. Yeah, please, to, please. Those are those are some of the 
some of the basics of what I'm hearing. I, I would also add that today, Tom Horn cited on his site, I got in my email basket, uh, an article from Breaking Israel News. And these kind of groups like this typically, I find, sort of support a hard Lakutist or harder wing, like a settler movement kind mm-hmm. of mindset, you know. But uh, it says on here that uh, from Breaking Israel News, it says Russia will conquer Israel before Messiah predicts missing piece of 400-year-old prophecy. Yeah, I saw uh, that Mr. this morning, Adam actually. Yeah. Kirkwitz. Uh, and uh, in, in this, this is consistent, actually, with what they've been teaching all along, is that they believe that the Gog-Magog War, in which some people think Russia is this Gog character is the final war, and whoever rescues them in that is the Messiah. That that is part of the rescue, rather than it just coming directly from the heavens. It's under the guise of a military leader that that delivers them from the Ezekiel thirty thirty nine war. And uh, my understanding of that, when when it ever does come to that time, when prophecy begins to be fulfilled, that is really going to be the beginning of their woes. Because they're going to affiliate with a, I think the term of scripture was something like a covenant with with hell or something like that, uh, and they're going to have an association that's not going to go as they thought. So, um, who knows if all that's there? What what I'm more curious is, we we see people of my Christian background and evangelical persuasion getting more and more extreme, uh, less and less analytical. Um, less and less circumspect, as the Bible says to do. And, you know, they're starting to look more like David Koresh and less like traditional Christian teaching. Mm-hmm. So. Do you want to say something, Rob? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so for, for, I'm speaking from a purely agnostic standpoint because... Right. I don't know what's going on in the universe. I don't know what's going on in my own life most of the time. You know, I, I try to stand back and, and look at things objectively. And um, it's, yeah, everything to me is a little bit like, this might be a possibility. Here's an idea. This is an idea. But I don't have a lot of absolute beliefs. So when I, when I run across people that are like, this is how things are. And I know this because, you know, here's some obscure facts that, I based my whole philosophy on like, it's hard for me to buy into all that. So looking at this, this is, um, this, I think that most prophecies are self-fulfilling. And I think that that's a really, really dangerous thing that people don't understand and that we need to take a look at. You know, this is, this is people that are saying this was written down thousands of years ago and here's a couple of numerical facts that might support this so we're going to rally thousands and thousands and thousands of people behind this belief and if you have that many people believing that this is the end of times they're going to bring about something that resembles the end of times which is terrifying and well i would just say i agree with you 100 percent and uh you know if i was in your shoes and and where you are, I mean, you're very open-minded, but not um, dogmatic in your beliefs on things. Right. Um, I would feel the way you feel. And in fact, I feel the way you feel, even though I do have deeply held beliefs. And, and I and, and, and let, let me you because some of this is tainted on me. 
And let, uh, let, let me, let me like iterate that I, I do agree with like, I mean, I've read the Bible and you know, I've, I've studied a lot of other religious texts, but I agree morally and ethically. I, I, I agree with a, a lot of it, right. you know, a whole lot of it. But when, when it comes to the dog, dogmatic side of it and with the, the prophecies and the, the, the holy, the wars over Holy land and yeah. the, the focusing politics on this, um, you know, real sort of hazy religious stuff. Like I, I just, I don't see the benefit to it. It's a distraction and it's, I don't know. It's, it's scary. It's scary that that's anybody's main focal point. Whereas like yeah. what's going on in reality, what's going on on our planet, we are a planet that needs a lot of help. You know, we're, we're, we've got social issues and we've got all these other stuff mm -hmm. that we should be focusing on. Instead, it's a battle over like a, a desert landscape I don't know. It terrifies me. Well, you know, um, if I could just comment on what you shared, uh, you know, I go a little bit farther in my belief system, and I know the audience, you have very uh, thought-provoking, discerning audience people that are on a wide spectrum of stuff. Uh, but I, what I appreciate are true seekers, people who are sincere, they don't want to exploit their fellow man, and they... Um, they just try to seek truth and be decent to people around them. And my faith goes so far that when I read the Gospels, I, I see them as affidavits. And that's something that makes it somewhat unique as a as a, a faith, a supernatural belief system, in that these are documents where people were eyewitnesses. They didn't hear legends that were created long before their time that they're passing down. They actually say, I saw and heard this. I, I saw a man resurrected. I'm willing to die for that, and and his followers did. I mean, they died in obscurity in faraway places because they wouldn't recant what they believed. It just basically sealed the authenticity of what they did. They they wrote books. They circulated around. They went everywhere. If it could have been disputed, it would have been easy to dispute back then, but they didn't. So, you know, I, I have strong beliefs, and I, I base it that it satisfies as a scientist. It satisfies my rationalistic view is is as well as faith. But having said that, the point you bring up about the prophetic work, which in times past, decades ago in my life, was a source of some revival in my spiritual interest, because I read famous books like Late Great Planet Earth, you know, from 1970, and you see current events, and they, they could be construed to have some kind of prophetic significance. And that really jumpstarts people's faith when they see those things going on around them. Mm -hmm. And it's not a distant kind of thing. But but since that time, and since my interest in that, now we have the scenario that I think you're alluding to, where people begin to game the system and participate to try to bring it about. Mm -hmm. And in fact, there's, a, there's even a spiritual passage about that, about the end times in the book of Daniel. In the last couple of chapters of Daniel, when it says that... Uh, I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but it says that the uh, what, what was it the violent men among your group shall try to bring about the covenant in their own strength, but they shall fail. And I'm not getting the quote right. You could look it up, look at it in different uh, English translations. But basically, what it's saying is these these zealous people are going to try to bring about this prophetic fulfillment in their own strength, and it's only going to make things much worse. Mm -hmm. And that, that has happened numerous times in the 
Jewish community, and the Christians have not learned from that and have only made it worse. And like you, Rob, I, I put myself in the shoes, because he, Jesus tells me to do that, of other people and how my actions affect other people. Right. And and if I had extreme zeal about this and really believed this and then somehow talked myself in that I had a role to bring it about rather than waiting for God to do it in his timing and his way, it, I would be violating the golden rule because— Exactly. And see— and that, that, that there's my point is I, I was yeah. raised, I was raised Christian myself and, and I understand right. I've read the Bible several times and it's, it all boils down to, if you take, if you take it all and you take everything at its face value for what it's worth, the, the only thing I really come out of it with is, you know, Jesus says to ignore all old laws. I bring you a new law and that is to basically love your neighbor, you know, the golden rule. Treat people the way you want to be treated, and that's it. And, and the whole thing boils down to that one tiny concept. And anytime yeah. I see somebody that's like trying to grab bits and pieces of anything towards any kind of agenda, it's just it it angers me <laughs> so bad. Like, well, I I would I'm going to christen you a fundamentalist because that's my definition now of what Christian fundamentalism is. You could throw a few more things in there, too, about the atonement and what his work was coming down here, and and he, he had some work on the cross to do. But ultimately, what you just said are what he says are are his father's fundamentals. Right. It's not, it's not what translation of the Bible you use or what claims you make about the Bible that the Bible doesn't claim about itself or any kind of statements that uh, people... It's not about winning over other cultures or societies. It's about love. Exactly. And that is what I call fundamentalism. So I'm going to label you a fundamentalist now. And that's the kind of fundamentalism that I want to be a part of. And some of this other stuff, I think, for lack of a better term, we should start just calling it fringism. Because some people think some of these things are fundamentalist. Mm -hmm. And maybe the general view that God has a plan... For humanity, and he's going to consummate it one day, uh, because he's got even better things for us to do, and he'll be faithful, and we should not be worried. Particularly, you know, it was written at a time when people were Christians were being exterminated, and they were being wiped out, and things were looking like the movement was going to stop when books like Revelation were written. The same scenario happened in Israel. Their prophetic books were written when they were uh, uh, in exile, and looked like they were going to be exterminated. And God sends these messages to let the people know that God has a plan for good people. He has a plan for people he's made promises to, and to not despair, but just wait on me. Right, but that but is... It, that says nothing about us <clears throat> rolling up our sleeves and trying to give him a helping hand and make it happen. Exactly. That's not a scapegoat to action. That's not us saying that, oh, we shouldn't be culpable for our own actions because we God has we got a lot of plan. actions to do. we got to <sighs> help our neighbor. Right. And... <laughs> Bind up wounded people on the road, like Jesus said to do. You know, when you find them, particularly when they're of another religion or culture, uh, those are the kind of things that we're supposed to do, help the widow and the orphan. So we got plenty to do with that that's not being done. We don't have to bring about World War Three on our own. <laughs> exactly. The world does a good enough job itself doing it without us giving it a hand. I think that this stuff really starts... In the 19th, around the time of the 19th century, roughly about 150, 200 years ago, is really when this whole world of Christian thought starts. Because, I mean, really, if you think about it up to that time, the book of Revelation was just kind of this, almost an oddity in the Bible. You know, not very, 
much talked about, not very much taught. It was still there and, you know, people read it. But then you get to the time of the 19th century, you get to the time of the Plymouth Brethren, and yeah. then you get these whole concepts of the pre-tribulation. This kind of goes... Yeah, John Dar- Darby. Mm-hmm. Right. This, which, this, which, by the way, I've defended to the death with other people. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I felt like it was that so much part of defense. And now I, I realize that well, it may in fact come to pass just like what they believe. It's certainly not the case that you want to go fight people over it for that. Right. And, and so this became something that was became mainstream in in American Christianity and then became mainstream somehow through American politics. And I remember, you know, hearing stuff about Reagan, like the, 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 the Soviets were really concerned that he was going to start World War III because he believed that that would give it a nudge to, uh, to, for Jesus to come back and all this. But then you hear like what you're talking about in Tom Horn's, uh, little discourse there about Trump and Putin gathering together to, uh, uh, to rebuild the temple and all this. And you hear about this a lot, you know, rebuild the third, the third temple, why they want to rebuild it. Well, because if they rebuild it, that's going to make the events of the book of revelation happen. And then Jesus will, will, will come back. So you it's have a power, it's a power play. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, and in fact, it will help happen much quicker that they can anoint the antichrist or he can anoint himself God. And then he can start slaughtering Jews and Christians quickly. So, Christians can take credit for helping the Antichrist get yeah. in position to begin that. Well, but seems then you, little, but then you have this, but then you have this idea of the pre-tribulation rapture, which is basically just burn, baby, burn. And, you know, then we're going to, uh, but, but all the Christians that are here now are going to be gone. And whoever turns to Christ after that will have to deal with the persecution. And yeah. <laughs> Well, that's why you don't have to worry about the environment. That's my point right there. Like you can't uh-huh. use these things as a scapegoat or, you know, uh-huh. a crutch. Right. Because, you know, we are such exceptional people here that God would never dare have us go in through any persecution. Right. You know, except for Kim, da- Kim Davis in Kentucky. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> she, she'd be the only one under persecution. <laughs> Sister Kim. None of us. None of us, you know, and really Kim Davis, it does apply to this because she had her deeply held religious beliefs, which I think she should have, and she's completely fine to, but what she did was, rather than having her beliefs and encouraging other people in them, mm-hmm. and even being a mouthpiece to try to, you know, persuade people, she took an office of people of very diverse views and used a, what the Bible would call a worldly power structure. Of Babylon, according to her own holy book, and used it to try to do what she thought was holy purposes, mm-hmm. and that's related to this prophecy uh, mindset, and that's why you see the same crowd in both. Absolutely, and, and I couldn't agree with you more. Like, believe what you want to believe, but it's—I don't see how. It, well, it's a little different for me. I don't see how anyone can be so devout and so secure in it that they could project that onto everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, even if you do believe it, absolutely, the golden rule still applies. Right. There, there's nothing in the Bible that says you need to start coercing and pushing people on any of this. You know, that there's a term used in Scripture. One day when, when Christ comes, it says he'll rule with a rod of iron. 
and people think, oh, he's just going to be like Negan or something, you know, like a baseball bat. <laughs> but, but what it signifies is, is that you have a personage here who not only has a divine right because of his creative role of all humanity, but he has demonstrated that he is the most gentle and the most uh, sincere for the well-being of others as a servant of, of any entity in the universe. If there was anyone that you could entrust the power over spiritual and civil power, it would be the one who had the crap beat out of him here, but he could have protected himself so he could help other people. But yet these people, who believe they're so exceptional, they don't mind sticking it to Indians or Mexicans, whoever. They want that rod of iron over people. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, I don't care if they go to a building with a cross on it just like I do. I am totally alienated for those people, and I would rather hang out with you, Rob, or Luke, or others, and still being as devout in my faith as I ever am, but people who are people of goodwill. Even right. if Luke and was wearing his pa- wearing his pan horns? <laughs> even if he had his pan horns and his, his Crowley t-shirt. <laughs> I would totally wear it if I had it. Yeah. I feel safer with Luke. I think Luke would look after my interests better than most of these people. <laughs> we could go do some ill stuff together. Yeah. <laughs> He'll take you skateboarding. Take you to the skate Uh-oh. park. Yeah, Mike. Okay. Well, the park. I would actually be at more peace than hanging out at most of these prophecy conferences I used to go to. Uh, one thing about the prophecy conferences, I mean, you were talking about uh, the Israel and the the Likudists, and you said that you actually in one of the prophecy conferences you had uh, representatives from the Israeli government there at the conference. That was my recollection, okay? I'm going out. There might be somebody come up and dispute it later, you know. I was there, and blah, blah, blah. All I'm telling you is my recollection. Mm-hmm. My recollection, I was in the speaker's lounge with all the other speakers. And I was getting a hardcore sell job to me because they didn't know I had questions at the time about how we had to get behind Netanyahu and his government. And there was there was men that looked like, they looked like Secret Service types in suits. Real big burly guys that were putting up these Israeli flags and the thing, and they were hanging them up for when I asked somebody who they were, and they said they were from the Israeli government mm-hmm. that were there for this. Wow! Um, and I'm not shocked at all. Yeah, no, me I mean they, they they have this community in their hand. You know, the, the sad thing is, is that these poor dupes that give. I hate to say it, and I hate to speak about fellow Christians, but give it such a bad name by being so gullible. They are serving the interest of atheists in a country that only rivals North Korea in its atheism. Hmm. And even is even is more guilty of it because they've received the blessings and preservation of God, miraculously have their own land, and they've shown, you know, almost no really gratitude to God in a, you know on a land that's over eighty percent atheist. It's the center of all sorts of other evils that go on in their country, moral evils. Uh, and and they're facilitated by, quote, Bible-believing Christians that, mm-hmm. that, that do this. And then you have a small but powerful religious group in Israel. But their religion is so hyper-exceptionalism that they hate Christians, they terrorize Christians there, they do death hex, pulse of the neuro ceremonies on on figures like, uh, well, Rabin, who who was later assassinated by one of their followers, or um, um, John Kerry, where they're basically doing 
black magical acts out of their own Jewish magical texts. So it's like a it's a cocktail worse than anything. And I wonder if the, our prophecy community is becoming more of like that kind of group. They're they're looking more and more like the hyper extreme settler movement in Israel because they closely align themselves with them. And you won't find more hateful people mm-hmm. that have no regard for their fellow man or somebody who's different, no mercy, no compassion. And you know, you can draw stars of David or crosses all the time, um, but that's, you know, I, I think God will say, you know, I get depart from me, I never knew you. Yeah, I mean, I watched this thing about, uh, this is about 10 years ago, talk, it was a frontline special about kind of like Israel's issues with the kind of ultra-Orthodox and right. there was this one, like these guys that uh, they had this plan to blow up a school of Muslim children, mm-hmm. and they actually planted the bomb. But something something happened where they had to go back to the scene and get something that they had left, and the right. police actually pulled them over and foiled the plot. But just the 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 coldness there, and we talk about ISIS, and we talk about these things that happen, and how brutal they are, and they are brutal, but there's just about as much brutality on that side as well. It's well, the same mindset. Mm-hmm. Whether, whether, whether you kill a hundred or a thousand, mm-hmm. it's the same mindset that fuels it. And they hate each other, and they'll kill all the rest of us and caught in the middle in the meantime. Mm-hmm. And you can't you can't focus on one extremist group like ISIS without dress, addressing all of them, right? And this makes Christians nervous because they're thinking, "Oh, you're talking scary stuff. You're going to make the arguments for them to come get Christians." Well, people who are really following Christ are not what I'm talking about. It's just that the sad thing is we have a large group of people who claim to be Christians that are following some other Lord in their actions rather than the Prince of Peace. And so if someone would act like Jesus, you know, they might even still be persecuted, but so what? They were told to be, and if they really believe their holy book, their holy book says it's for your good anyway, Mm -hmm. but they think they're too good for it. They think they're too good for any kind of persecution, that they're supposed to be the persecutors, sort of like Saul of Tarsus. And they don't realize that, you know, when Paul came along as well, that persecution was part of what sealed his, the reality of his testimony. But they want to be the persecutors. And so, um, you know, I sense a strong alienation. I had a young man that I don't know what his background just contact me, uh, well, you know, middle-aged fellow from, it uh, looks like a very different culture that wanted some advice from me. And I, this, these are commonplace, I guess, but it was just in the last day saying, you know, I'm a practicing Christian, but I am worried about myself because I feel so alienated from this extremist activity going mm-hmm. on with people in my own faith. And and he's looking at me for answers, and I have to say, I feel the same way. And he doesn't know whether he should separate himself from these people or do what. And I think we just have to make our testimony clear. And I, for one, believe and I make an argument in my books. It's sort of funny. Rob said in about 30 seconds, uh, a minute ago, what has taken me almost 4,000 pages in my book series to say. <laughs> and it basically says the same thing. We are respons- We are our brother's keeper, like uh, Cain asked about God. And if we want to really please God, 
then we really need to care about the weak and vulnerable in our midst, even more so if they're people who think different than us. If they're people that have different cultures or think they're whatever. Uh, how many times has Jesus had to drill that in our head, you know, with the, with the uh, Good Samaritan, the people that they hated, you know, who, who got the Jew over there and tried to help the guy who was his enemy on the road, when the, his fellow Jews, the really pious religious people, sort of like the people we're talking about in our religious right, they were the ones who looked at their fellow religious person, culture person, walked by, didn't want to help them. But but Jesus was saying, yeah, you particularly go help people who are different. Yeah. And how we're making the same mistakes that the Jews made when they alienated themselves from God, when they missed the big picture. They missed their own fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said it real clear. He says, you tenth the tithe of the mint and the cumin or whatever the spices are, this little fine print in the law. But it says, you totally ignore the weightier matters of the law like justice and mercy. And I'm finding our fundamentalists today, in my own faith, are making the same mistake, only much worse, where they're, where they're doing the same thing. Justice and mercy were not the discussions of this political season from the Christian community. Even though they are the weightier matters that Jesus said, it never became part of the conversation. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Dr. Future, because you wrote recently your last blog post on the Two Spies Report, and that is... TwoSpiesReport.wordpress.com. Right. Please, everybody, it's it's not posted a whole lot because I'm trying to finish my last book in the book yeah. series, but I encourage people to come to it. And the last post that you had on there, you mentioned Negan from Walking Dead. Of course, anybody that's a Walking Dead fan knows who we're talking about. Even Luke knows. He's the guy that bashed the people's heads in on The Walking Dead. Yeah, that yeah. that was a pretty brutal scene, man, even for me. Yeah. Uh, hey, I would have guessed he was your role model, Luke. I didn't know. <laughs> uh, what, what really got me is that, you know, he had to hit him and uh, kind of knock him senseless first. And right. he would never recover from that, even if he did live through it. And so right. everyone was like, well, he has a chance. And then he comes through and finishes it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Actually, when you hear me talk, it sort of looks like I got the first hit of the bat with me. You know, that incoherent babbling, that's but like me. The second the swing never bat. comes. <laughs> well, you like know, it's a, the most popular show in the history of TV. Like I said, that, I episode was, that episode was eye-popping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Did you get that sound effect, Rob? <laughs> anyway, sorry. sound effect would have been... Anyway, I've totally derailed your thought there, Doc Future, so. Yeah, I have no idea what I was talking about, but (laughs) yeah, the the thing, you know, there's so many people who can't see the forest for the trees, and they totally missed my point. You know, for people who aren't familiar with that show, again, it's the most popular show in history of television. Uh, It was sort of a penultimate episode when this guy appears, the ultimate evil dude uh, there. But he's a tremendous metaphor for who are the kind of people that we see are, for me, my fellow Christians, getting behind in America. And the, the point I was trying to make, some people think I overmade it, was that there are certain traits and attributes that seem to naturally go together. And 
It usually involves a supreme arrogance about oneself, a desire not to actually prevail over people or come up with deals for personal enrichment, but to actually win in an art of a deal that humiliates the other person, that it's not considered a win if the other person retains some of their dignity in the deal itself. And it's usually a demanding of, of other people, not only just different cultures or people outside your clan, but women in particular, because these people are insecure about their own masculinity, so they have to, you know, objectify women at the same time. Uh, and, of course, I, I can't imagine any political figures in which these things would be relevant. No, no, no. But use your imagination. <laughs> you know, it's the kind of guy who would come out and say publicly on the record and addresses, not whispered rumors, but to say publicly, I love war. And you can look up and watch him say it. I love war. Or he says, uh, I can give you a, f a few of them here, that, you know, anybody ought to be asking questions. Uh, when he said, uh, let's see here, let's say about uh, torture. When he said, he uh, he said on his Twitter, he says that these these suspects that we capture from like terror attacks, he says they, they would talk a lot faster with the torture. In the New Hampshire interview, he says, we're going to have to get much tougher as a country. We're going to have to be a lot sharper, and we're going to have to do things that are unthinkable almost. And in the primary, the New Hampshire primary, I'm, I'm quoting this off my blog, and there's hot links, so you can actually, if you, somehow you missed it in the debates. He says, I would bring back waterboarding, and I'd bring back a hell of a lot worse than waterboarding. Uh, and he followed up saying a week or so later saying, torture works. Okay, folks. You know, I have these guys that say torture doesn't work. Believe me, it works. And waterboarding is your minor form. Some people say it's not actually torture. Let's assume it is. But they ask me the question, what do you think of waterboarding? Absolutely fine. But we should do much stronger than waterboarding. And he added up uh, just as even the end of July this year saying, I'm a person who believes in enhanced derogation, yes. And by the way, it works. Uh... When, when he asked the crowd about waterboarding, they all cheered and, and yelled about it and, in support. And he says, you know, I like it a lot. I just don't think it's tough enough. <laughs> so that's just a few examples of that's something that just an average person out there, let's say a non-religious person, if they're just a humanitarian, they should be totally repulsed Absolutely. by the glorification of torture, <laughs> just as a humanitarian, as a Christian. Who, who worships a divine being who was subject to torture himself, who, who was a victim of extraordinary rendition in the middle of the night, who was taken away by the New World Order figures with the religious right people of his day in league with them, and, and who was put on some kind of Mickey Mouse trial without, representa without representation, Set up on trumped up charges. No pun intended. I know. You know, and basically military trial. And then subject to brutal, brutal, uh, heartless interrogation. And whose wounds that they will one day see, presumably, in the hereafter. And they're wholeheartedly behind this. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a million other things I, I could say about these things, but when I see someone who publicly, not not some 
joke off to the side privately that happened to get recorded or some misunderstood thing, a rumor, third hand word. But but in the with the cameras rolling, intentionally making them address these points himself. What what have we become? Yeah. Why do you think that uh, evangelicals, so many of them, voted for Trump? Why do you think that so many of them were passionate about Trump? Do you think that they just saw it as an issue of pro-life? Do you think that it just that they that they really felt like this guy was really going to uh, uphold their values? I mean, I'm glad we can say Merry Christmas again. Honestly, oh yes. <laughs> But, Happy holidays, yeah, because, man. Happy holidays, Adam. Yeah. That really sabotaged uh, God's <laughs> plan for the world. <laughs> we had, had to say happy holidays. You know, basically our whole future destiny was at stake over that. Uh, you know, I get a lot of thoughts. Of, hey, I could go on forever on them, but just off the cuff, um, I, I'm I'm just so ashamed of the incredible immaturity and gullibility of my fellow evangelicals, it almost makes me embarrassed to use the term about myself, although I would be labeled that because I do believe in the, the gospel message. I believe in the reality of the resurrection. I believe, believe that there are good reasons to do that. But but when it comes to their mindset and attitude, I think they've totally betrayed the fundamentals of what they say they believe and the person they say they follow. And my 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 sense is not only are they incredibly mature, and I say that as someone myself who drank that Kool Aid for so long, and I and I'm saying not the Kool Aid of faith, but but of taking this exceptionalism, Americanism culture, and intertwining it where it didn't belong. But not only are they incredibly gullible, but I really have the suspicion that as good Americans, their real religion is the religion of winning. Mm. And I think I think if I really had to, and maybe people would think that's too critical and and not fair. And I, you certainly can't see a hundred percent of the people, but I do know eighty-one percent of the evangelical community went this way, uh, you know, with no hesitation. That basically the American thought is you win and you win by any means possible. And our heroes in our society are the people who win, whether it's in sports whether it's military figures, whether it's business figures. People don't get too much in the fine print of how they did it. Maybe a long, long time ago, sportsmanship and fair play was an issue, but that's long since been shelved. Now is the case of who comes out on top, and then they become the people that we idolize, that we want to hear their inspirational stories. We'd like to emulate them. We'll have them come speak at our church if they got a lot of medals on their chest or maybe have a lot of big businesses that they did. And so when your God is winning and you, you realize, you know, you got to break a few eggs to make an omelet. Shouldn't we be worshiping, shouldn't we be worshiping Thor or something instead? I mean, wouldn't that be more consistent? Well, you know, the only problem with trying, you know, when I was hearing those rabbis that you played that clip, I didn't know if they said anything about a guy with orange hair. (laughs) <laughs> and so, so much the irony even Tom Horn saying well maybe this guy's the John the Baptist for the Messiah when it's so ironic that John the Baptist had his head cut off uh-huh. because he was the only religious leader that would confront the Donald Trump of his era yeah. and Herod the Great yeah 
he actually he actually pointed out the behavior that was very mild compared to the life of Donald Trump, but he had the guts to do it. Mm-hmm. Now you know he could have been like our religious right today, and Donald and he could have said, "Well, hey, Herod and the Idumeans and these other guys who are basically Johnny come lately to our faith, just like Trump." They, well, they're bringing us prestige and power. Therefore, I need to sort of find some kind of prophecies to backfit to justify here to these people, because they've been part of giving us prestige. But and that would have helped John the Baptist. They're the new Cyrus. I got it. That's right, the new Cyrus. I mean, he built that fantastic temple. Uh-huh. Aaron the Great built that beautiful temple there at. How dare John the Baptist to, to speak against him? Merely because he was living an immoral lifestyle. And now we got Trump Tower and casinos. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, we're, we'll have a lot more around the world. He's already been meeting with the Indonesian officials to try to smooth out some of their investments. Oh, no. And, and say, yeah, that already came up. That's why his family members have been in the meetings with heads of state. And he is going to run the country from Trump Tower, not the White House. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Well, yeah. whether he does it physically or metaphorically, he will, regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's basically, it's it's going to be an absolute mess, I believe. And, um, of course, you know, some people think, oh, well, it's okay if we hire an idiot because we'll have Mike Pence to run it. He's the cooler head. <laughs> and I was interested to see in a recent ABC News interview where they interviewed him about yeah, what vice president do you want to emulate? Which ones do you most respect and would like to be like? And without hesitation, he says, no question, Dick Cheney. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, that's so, what he's basically going to be. I mean, I think he's going to be the the Dick Cheney or, the, or even the first George Bush in many yeah. ways because you've already got a situation where you have – the underlings that know so much more about everything that's going on than the president that is coming in right now. I mean, that's the, this is the next question that I wanted to ask you is do we have, you know, what predictions for 2017 and especially as it deals with Trump? I mean, we don't really know what exactly is going to happen. It's kind of a wild card at the moment, but looking at his people that he has put in, what are some of your thoughts on that some of your perceptions well i tell you if, if we can help because this is this is going to be the hardest to predict of ever and i've never been for being known as dr future never been a good predictor of it <laughs> but if you don't mind let me just share with you a couple points by the people he's picked yeah on their past because you know donald trump has 70 years of history on his life that you can probably use as the best barometer of how he's going to do how he does the art of a deal what happens to the people that he made a deal with in the aftermath, uh-huh. including his supporters? What happened to the people who invested alongside him and who got holding the bag? But let me just share with you some of his supporters. His Vice President Pence, I mentioned to you about, uh, you know, saying Dick Cheney was the guy he wanted to emulate. And I'm sure pretty, people know that he got in trouble uh, and got a lot of criticism in his early congressional uh, campaigns for using his campaign money for his wife's car payment and her mortgage and credit card bills and stuff. Uh, but some of the more recent things he's done as governor, um, uh, he, he stopped the Syrian I- immigrants from coming to Indiana, didn't mm-hmm. want to have any kind of safe place for them to go. He fought against Medicare drug coverage for seniors. Uh, Pitts, um, 
fought uh, to keep government con- paid contractors on government contracts from getting what they called fair wages. Um, he didn't even want the minimum wage to go up to $7 an hour. Hmm. Uh, he fought environmental regulations and clean air emission standards. Um, he, he did, he did some positive things. He wrote legislation to encourage people to bring firearms onto school property. Mm. And also, uh, he approved legislation for bringing firearms manufacturers to Indiana. Uh, my assumption is, is that by doing that, that they could get around federal laws on background checks. Okay. Since you weren't doing interstate commerce. Yeah. You wouldn't have to go check to see if a, if a loony or madman was getting it. would have all that pesky, you know, looking up things. Um, <laughs> he, he, you know, he's best known for the legislation to reserve, to refuse uh, public services to gays, you know, and businesses. Yeah, um, it's the Religious Freedom Act. Yeah. yeah. He tried to form a taxpayer-paid news service in Indiana to give a positive view of the administration's decisions, where it would be basically ultimate fake news service where the, the taxpayers would pay for it so they could sell the taxpayers on what he wanted to do as legitimate news to hmm. go around the independent press. Yeah. Um, uh, he, he voted against tobacco regulation. He says the cigarettes don't kill. He supported and extended all points of the Patriot Act. He supported the Iraq War. He supports keeping Guantanamo Bay open and having secret trials. Um, he said Israel should use force in their blockade of Gaza. Uh, uh, he wants to maintain uh, high sentences for marijuana users, and he's against campaign finance regulations. Hmm. So that will give you a little taste. If he's the one calling a lot of the shots, what to expect. Yeah. Now, Colonel Mike Flynn, his national security advisor, um, he was fired as the head of the DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency, uh, sort of known as a hothead. Uh, his recent statements is, uh, and I, I saved these, I've got copies of, Islam is a cancer and a political ideology behind, behind a religion. So he's the cool head who's going to be in charge of NASA security to make sure we don't overdo it. He, um, <laughs> he says that... Uh, fear of Muslims is rational. Not hmm. fear of extremists or radicals or, you know, just, just people of this other faith is rational. A um, few other things. Uh, uh, let's see. I've been out of pocket for a little over a week because of some family uh, emergency stuff to take care of out of state. So, uh, what's the status with Jeff Sessions? Is he, I think he going to be the attorney general? Uh, yeah, I think he's going to be the attorney general. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of the stuff on him came out. <laughs> he was denied a judgeship in 1986 by both a review by congressional Republicans and Democrats together. Uh, for some reason, they didn't like when he said things that he liked the KKK until uh, he found out some of them smoked dope. Uh-huh. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. That 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 was the line. Like once he found that out, they, he wasn't cool with them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they they yeah. crossed the line when they were right. hitting the, the hitting the bong. Which coincidentally, exactly. that's the I only thing think, I like about them. I would think they should smoke more dope myself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and maybe a nicer the, place. 
become a little um, bit more peaceful. And, you know, it, it came out then how he strongly opposed civil rights legislation, saying black folks should back off uh, from promoting it. Uh, you got guys like Steve Bannon, you know, the ideologue of Breitbart, basically saying that, you know, that it's the platform for the alt-right. Um, uh, let's see, some of these other people. But I guess that will suffice for now. That's what, about, few, what about what about Mad Dog Mattis? <laughs> oh Jesus! You know the crazy thing is that Mad Dog sounds like probably the most level-headed. And I say that relative yeah. speaking. <laughs> I actually, I'll, I'll agree with that. Yeah, of, of the guys, and uh, but but so basically, anything can happen. But I'm, I mean, this sort of telegraphs some of the stuff, and you see some of the other people he's interviewed that we don't know. You know who'll be picked or not, but we haven't even mentioned the head of Exxon. CEO who will be our Secretary of State. Yeah. Now I'm highly confident he's going to look after the little guys of America <laughs> in their interest of the poor. They have a big business. Uh huh. Uh huh. I'm sure. You know, I'm thinking, what would Colonel Smedley Butler or General Smedley Butler think about this? Mm hmm. That wrote "War is a Racket," our most decorated uh, military serviceman ever. Uh, when when he talked about that the oil companies were the ones that were sending us into these foreign wars. And after he had fought for most of them, uh, and saying at the beginning of his book, War in Iraq, and it says, why don't these oil companies just get their own army and fight? And he says, they could just have a flag with a gas pump on it. <laughs> so yep. what would Smedley Butler think about the progress of our society that we take the CEO of Exxon as the person that would define how we react with other countries? Uh-huh. You know, what is the what do you think about all this about Russia? We talked a little bit about this in the last show about the the uh, the hacking and and all this, and then also too, you know, there there seems to be also also this very the evangelicals have a, have a very much a big love for Putin. Mm -hmm. It's so ironic this came about because uh, I got interrupted in my writing a couple of months ago because I had to go back. It suddenly struck me because I'm a neophyte at this that I needed to go back. I found a new way to archive all my online references. That was a, a better way to archive them as PDF and keep the URLs because people are yanking stuff off left and right. So I've been out of pocket with that and some other family emergencies to deal with. But at the time, I was just in about a third of the way through this writing of some information that started coming up on the religious side, and this was more on the fighting Muslim side, about the reemergence of Russia and Christendom as Russia is begin starting to eclipse the Christendom <laughs> leadership of the West. And it, as I sort of dug into this, the data started falling in my lap, and I suddenly realized this was a big deal and going to be a big part of my book series. Uh, and now we have political events happening on that are reinforcing this, that Putin, some of his right-hand mans like... Uh, uh, Valerie Yakunin, and even the president of uh, Kazakhstan, Nur Sultan Nazarbayev, are going to be playing a bigger and bigger role, it appears, at least likely, because they're taking on a role not only in trying to have the East begin to have the preeminent role of the progression of humanity in world society, but particularly a religious component and an old-school Christendom component. Uh-huh. And what I suddenly realized when I started getting all this data deluged of it is that any kind of holy wars that go on or eras of holy war history 
they become more of not so much the outside barbarians at the gate threat. The barbarians actually become a political tool for a power struggle within the Western Christian spheres of power for one side, one sphere, east or west, to take charge over the other. And they begin using the outside barbarians as a tool to get the upper hand on the other side. The most classic case of this is during the Crusades, the most famous holy wars, where, um, as we know, the Eastern Orthodox Church was was in a struggle over property in, in uh, uh, Central and Eastern Europe with the Mohammedans. And the Western Church, under this guise that they were rescuing their Christian brothers and the relics, actually plotted to overthrow the Eastern Church and to eclipse it, because the Eastern Church, the old Constantine throne at Byzantium, was actually more powerful than a Western Roman system that still was struggling in the aftermath of the fall of Rome and did not have the power of the East. And they saw a potential, and under the guise of coming to the aid of their fellow Christians, uh, first thing they did when they got all the Christian holy wars to fight the Muslims, they went and massacred all the Jews in Germany. It's sort of a warm-up act, you know, sort of like the uh, exhibition games in pro football. Yeah. They they went through Germany, wiped out the Jews there, because they, you know, got to kill somebody who's non-Christian. And then, on their way to supposedly fight the Muslims, they decided to go sack uh, Constantinople. And so Constantinople initially fell victim not to the Muslim hordes, but actually to their fellow Christians in the West. Mm-hmm. A lot of people <laughs> don't know a this. Big... A lot of people don't know that this happened oh, first. No. Yep. I mean, it got so bad that over the first like couple hundred years, which we consider the primary uh, crusade age, um, eventually it got to the point where you had two big mercenary fighting groups, the Knights Hospitallers and the Knights Templars, uh, supposedly these warrior, poor monks of poverty, you know, protecting the pilgrim, pilgrims, were actually mercenaries fighting for two big banking groups in in um, Italy, when Italy was basically, you know, run by corporate groups like in Venice and, and uh, you know, various states like that. And each of them were employed by two different competing uh, sections of Italy that were basically just money, corporate interests trying to control the Middle East and the wealth and the trade routes. Mm-hmm. So they were fighting each other over that, and then they subcontracted the Muslims, their supposed enemy, on both sides to fight the war. So that the knights were fighting each other, contracting Muslims to doing their fighting. Mm-hmm. That's how clear-cut the, the battle was. And that's that's about what we have now in these war on terror. We have Supposedly, this clash of civilizations going on uh, between, you know, the Muslim world, which, you know, they're just about declared Sharia law in America, you know, probably a month away from putting this all under the scimitar Sharia. Well, so they had to change their, they had to change their plans since Trump got elected. Oh, okay. So that's delayed it for four years, maybe. Yeah. But anyway, under this guise, what we you start peeling the onion back. And just like the original Crusades, you're finding everybody's got an, an angle, and they've got a position. They want to strengthen their hands over their fellow, either Americans or, or Christians. They've they figured out financially how to benefit from it. You've got the whole anti-Sharia racket. 
which which people are raising money. You know, these emails that we all get in our in-baskets, particularly if you've had any kind of Christian group involvement, they come in and, and they paint this horrific picture of what's around the corner, and they need money to come in to make it happen. And, it's you know, it's actually going to make it a little bit more challenging for them now that Trump has won because they have to work harder to go find some other enemies, and they don't even have Obama to fundraise off of or Hillary Clinton and, you know, the existential threat they <laughs> they provide. You know, we were told that there wasn't going to be elections, the last two elections anyway. Yeah, that's true. Uh, because they they would totally stop it. So they got to be more creative. But the video that you that you played or the, the audio bite with Tom Horn and uh, Jim Baker is showing that they still got a few tricks up their sleeves to keep raising money. You know what I love as an aside, you talk about the uh, uh, not having the elections and like you have this, this so much, this love and respect for Putin, but the guy pretty much has, you know, he, he bent his constitution in so many ways to where he's pretty much going to be president for life. And, uh, you know, but you, can you imagine if Obama did that? Just like the holy up outcry there would be in this country. <laughs> oh, heaven. heaven forbid. You know, I mean, there is no opposing media anymore, really, in Russia. They've all been taken care of. I actually did some business a long time ago for the government, well, the U.S. Air Force there. And I, I stayed in St. Petersburg and in Moscow. And the, the, the metro, the underground train, station right by my hotel people mm-hmm. were notoriously killed there uh businessmen and oligarchs and one of these main ones that they understand to be a putin hit on some guy that tried to resist him what happened right outside where my hotel was mm-hmm. uh, right there on you know the steps and it was basically a reign of terror yeah. and this is the kind of stuff that has cost me tremendous amounts of support from former future quake listeners on my blog and I tell you, it touches immediate family. It touches people who are really, really close to me, close Christian brothers, people I've seen as mentors. You dare not say any of these kind of things. And, you know, it sort of realigned me with new bedfellows, so to speak, because um, this is the kind of stuff that you're not allowed to talk about. Yeah. And, you know, one of our Christian religious right leaders is calling Putin the lion of Christianity. And they, Putin in particular, is pushing Christendom as a justification for these draconian actions. Now, I don't, I'm not saying following Christ, because following Christ means you care about other people and you don't want to take advantage of them. And Christendom is opposed to that. That's for wimps. It believes in using the cross, the banner like Constantine, as a force for conquering. And that's what Putin is doing. And he set himself up as another Constantine. And the religious right are flocking to his cause. He's taken a really strong stance against gays, uh, against Muslims, against others. And the Christians, the religious right leaders here, are saying that he is their ultimate role model. And they just sort of hope Trump, you know, because he's so cozy with Putin, that it'll rub off on him. Well, the irony of that situation is, is that it really, what he's promoting is his Russian Orthodox church. If there's any other church, like a Protestant church that goes in there and tries to witness, they put some really serious punitive measures on those churches. These evangelicals support this guy, while at the same time, he's harshly persecuting their fellow evangelicals in Russia. Mm -hmm. And they're totally, either one, A, they're totally clueless about it, not informed, or B, they don't care. Luke is raising his hand. Deuce Volt. 
What? <laughs> Come on, history guy. You know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're mispronouncing it. You're not even on the mic, by the way. Oh, man. <laughs> Hold on a second. Oh, man. Y'all, are you talking about like Yavol or something? No, it's Deuce Volt. Deuce Volt. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I mean, it's two, two volts. That, that's, that's, what, that's the outcry of the, the uh, First Crusade in like 1055. That's what. Like, oh, Deus something. Oh, man. I can't speak yeah, God's Latin. people. Yeah. Yeah. Deus, yeah. Deus Volt. <laughs> He's throwing, he throwing some Latin on us. Oh, uh, okay. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I think that's what it is. It's yeah. Latin. I, th- I think he might be possessed by a demon or something. We might have to take care of that. Yeah. He's, he might, he's, get, might have to exercise him. So <laughs> it's, it's exercise clothes. I need a sexorcism. <laughs> run, him, run him around the studio. He needs to be well, Dr. Future, we're just about out of time for the interview portion. But uh, I, but tell, I haven't alienated enough people. Well, yet. Hold on. Hold on, hold on. Deus Volt actually is classical Latin for God wills it. Okay. Right, so, that's it. Yeah. It was the cry of the people at the declaration of the First Crusade by Pope Urban II at the Council of Claremont in nineteen or er, in ten ninety five. Ten ninety five, yeah. You're totally right. Oh, uh, well, I'm impressed, Luke. Even though you said ten fifty five, you were forty no, years I off. But I said ten ninety five. Yeah, yeah, you totally did. You did. You had it. Well, yeah. I think ten ninety five was the fall of Jerusalem, so that is an important date. <clears throat> I remember right. So let's see. It would have been ten ninety nine. The oh. the crusade was declared in ten ninety five, but they didn't actually get it all together, and it took some time to get there. Yeah. And then the fourth crusade that you were talking about. Of course, he doesn't. That was that was that was twelve that was twelve oh four, which you know, like I said, a lot of people don't realize that that happened, and then also too. That's huge in the Russian point of view because the Russians mm-hmm. being the inheritors of Byzantium as they see themselves, right. they, right. they see that as the, the, they still, that still kind of rankles with them a little bit. All right, smart guy. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the first brewery in the world? I don't know. I'm sure you know that. It's got to do something with I do. beer. It, so. It's the Egyptians. It's, it's the Egyptians invented Oh, no, beer. that's true. Yeah, I do that. I don't know which okay. Egyptian. Though. Well, damn it. Yeah, anyway, so, Dr. Future, uh, how are yeah. the books coming? What's the ETA? Uh, well, are we uh, looking at another five, six years? Or are we no. going to get that done soon? No, because we'll all be dead then anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> if the rabbis prophecy down here. You know what's so funny? They're quoting these rabbis about all of these weird things to find the Messiah, and they had one right there in their lap, and they didn't know to identify it. So why would we listen to guys who have a horrible record at picking messiahs and give them any kind of credence? That, that just shows how far the Christians have gotten off the plantation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I was at the UN meeting that I spoke at on religion and spirituality, I have a video of it from the from the uh, panel session, and the Kabbalah expert was there, and he talked on camera saying that they secretly knew that Jesus was the Messiah, and it totally blew me away when he's saying this. He said they'd known it for hundreds of years before then that it was, but they said it was secret, and we had to keep it secret, and we didn't talk about it elsewhere. 
And after the meeting, I went and I asked him, I said, did I hear you right? Is that what you said? And he said, yeah. And I have, you know, I have a video of it. So it's very interesting. But, uh, regarding the books, um, I, uh, about halfway through the last one and about 350 pages into it, probably got another 350 to go at least. But, um, I had to stop and get these references, uh, document. I got over a thousand online references in the book so far, not counting books that are cited and other, you know, printed material. Uh, so this is the last penultimate one and, uh, I'm going to keep flogging it till I get it done. And, uh, you know, hopefully next year, 2017, that maybe that'll be one bright light, uh, be able to get out and, and start, uh, um, insulting a whole new set of people when these books come out. Yep. And we're definitely going to have you on for a whole series to talk about them. So. Absolutely. Well, so. I'm not going to shut up once those are out and I won't whine about interviews anytime you'll have me on. Because uh, there's going to be a lot to talk about in mm-hmm. them, and uh, there's a lot of these outlets won't. I'm sure they won't have me. So this is actually a forum for free thinking people to to get challenging information and consider it. And so I'm you thankful that you all would be willing to consider me for that. You don't think they're going to have you on in the studio in Skywatch TV? You know, I'm probably not even going to help sell buckets. You almost said Jim and Tammy. This is the mm-hmm. wife that said, I think her name is Lori. She just says, wow. Oh, wow. wow. You have to have the nasal voice for it. <laughs> but I'm hoping they're going to have the Mike Bennett Holy War Chronicles bucket special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like a bucket full of your books. Bucket of books. <laughs> you should, do, you should yeah. do that anyway. You should just have bucket your own book. bucket of books. You know what? I might just do that. Just you, you, my nose. You can get a bucket at Home Depot for like a dollar twenty. <laughs> just yeah. send one out with you with each book, and it'll have a toilet seat with it too. Yeah, <laughs> like, you can just leave the books down there. That way, you can have your final say on the books. You can read it or not, whatever. You're gonna have something right. to read while you're on the crapper, so it's pretty good. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's for toilet paper when you tear the paper. Right. <laughs> We could roll some joints with Dr. Future's book. Hey, Luke, if you want to, if you want to get those, can I get your endorsement of them, Luke? You sure can. rolling papers. I'll be be your spokesperson, bro. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I don't know if you know what you're you're asking for there, Mike, but anyway, (laughs) uh, tell people where they can contact you and also uh, give the blog, the, the blog site address again. Okay. If you're particularly demented and disturbed of mind, uh, you, you're in the right frame of mind to listen to Future Quake, my old radio show. Uh, uh, if you go to futurequake.com, uh, three, uh, seven years of shows are archived there. Um, it's sort of, we, we joked, it's sort of the Precambrian version of Conspiranormal. Mm-hmm. It, it was like the John the Baptist forerunner that uh, Tom yes. Horn was talking about. <laughs> yes. Um, so, if you want to hear a very primitive show, check out Future Quake, futurequake.com. Uh, if you'd like to read some of my more recent writings, uh, sporadically I write. I'm very verbose there. Uh, once I do post, it's a two spies report, like S-P-I-E-S, two spies report, not wordpress.com. Uh, and um, send me an email if you want to, my old show email, Dr. Future, D-R Future at futurequake.com. And if you'd like to uh, get on the email announcement list, I will let you know when the uh, when the books are ready to release, and 
they're going to come out. They'll all be in mass, like maybe ten weeks apart, just enough time for us to get over here and talk about stuff in them, and uh, then they'll just be come out rapid fire like an automatic machine gun. Excellent. And would love to have people drop me a line, and I'll put you on the list. And once I have the rabbi's approval that it <laughs> fits in with their models, then we'll release the book. Uh-huh. Make sure that you get the Bible code approval as well. Yes, yes. I think you'll find Mike Bennett in the Bible code somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to say, Luke? Right, I was going to say, right there with, in, in mass, I, I love the way he throws that Latin around. It sounds so sexy. Yeah. <laughs> That's for the Romanist of the audience. <laughs> All right. Well, in that, in, in that uh, guys, uh, Dr. Future, stay on the line with us. We're going to close this out. But, guys, we will be right back with our year in review. Yeah, and like I was saying, the, the hip-hop of the future, dude, is just going to be, you know, j- just all uh, bleeped out words. Just <laughs> With a beat, with a beat behind it. Luke, I have so missed you, man. <laughs> so has Lou, apparently. I, 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 I have just missed the the all the incredibly stupid shit that you say. Just, it really, it really has been lacking lately. Yeah, well, that's what I'm here for. Uh, we've had Jeff filling in for you, but uh, it's just not the same. Is it, Jeff it, hasn't killed as many brain cells. It's just, a, it's, a, it's just a different flavor. Really, yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Well, guys, we are rapidly approaching the end of Conspiracy Normals 2016 year. And God. civilization. And, and civilization, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Probably. <laughs> Alyssa is here to help us Hello, with this. Hello, everybody. Can what? we please have another End Times with Lord Raul? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy. Lord Raul. Was it like Lord Real or something like <laughs> oh that? Oh, my God. I, I love how you like mispronounce names. I was listening to the uh, year review we did last year. And when you talk about like Giorgio Zuccolos, and he, it was somehow his name was Zuccarillo. <laughs> <laughs> Giorgio Zuccarillo. <laughs> Zuccarillo, <laughs> dude. You've never heard of him? Come on. What is wrong know, with you? kind of popular right now. Giorgio <laughs> 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 Cigarillo. Oh, uh, man. Rob, uh, <laughs> you had a. You really enjoyed that uh, interview with Dr. Future. Uh, you, oh, man. You, I, got, you got into that. Who series. doesn't? I, I love Dr. Future. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I really do. Like, well, and. He reminds me a lot of you. Like, I don't, I don't have anything against Christians or Muslims or anyone of any faith, particularly. Like, as long as they're, um, you know, they're they're, they're well founded in like a, a a knowledgeable. Like, I've I've researched this, and this is what I feel, and this is what I believe, and this is a personal thing, and I love that. I absolutely love that about people. And we should all feel different things. We should all have different ideas. But it's people that have hard-coded beliefs that I'm going to fight people and kill people for these beliefs, even if they're contrary to the beliefs I'm fighting for that I just, I have this huge issue with. And anytime yeah. I talk to someone like, like you or Dr. Future about that kind of thing, I just, it, it, it draws that out of me. Most of the time you'll notice that people in these different groups, that they'll, that they will say the same thing. They will use the same rhetoric. They will do the same thing, but, but still see themselves as polar opposites. Uh huh. Or, and, or, or they'll pick and choose 
like yeah. you know cherry picking he, he, here's here's a line that benefits me at this p- particular moment kind of thing but not, not get down to like the core beliefs and i and i've read the bible multiple times i've you know i've combed through it you've it's had like, confirmation uh, and all that yeah I, yeah exactly yeah i went through sunday school and confirmation and you know all be like lutheran or something lutheran yep, yep. but i've also read all, like lots of other religious Texts. You know, I've studied Taoism. I've studied yeah. Zen yeah. Buddhism. Is I love Taoism. Yeah, hell yeah. Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the Taoism Pooh is like, the Taoism yeah, Pooh yeah. is that's true. Awesome. Dao Pooh. Yep. Yes. But you know, it's it, 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 it. I don't know. It all has merit. So yeah. I don't know. And and it, like like I said, Christianity to me boils down to just love your neighbor, be a compassionate human being. Yeah. And that's the basis of it. Right. Like there's the whole, like, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell aspect, which I don't agree with. And I'm sure a lot of people disagree with that, but I just try to be a good person. And that's to me what the Bible represents. And anyone who does anything to the contrary, like I can write you off instantly. I don't care what you think, what you say, what you think or what you believe or mm-hmm. how you justify your actions. You can call yourself a Christian. You can go to church and ask for forgiveness every Sunday. But if you're out there preaching for war, then I, yeah. I don't know. I got nothing to say to you. Then I don't believe you in the yeah. things that you preach. And and that's, that, those are, those are the, those are the elements that I agree with Dr. Futron and I'm glad right. we had him on. Right. He's had such a, I think an evolution in his <laughs> thinking as well over the last few it's years, like, some of which I was there for and some of which I was not, but you know, he, he himself, I mean, he used to think a lot of the same way, like like mainline conservatives really think really, but he's just to, as he's gone on through doing Future Quake and then writing these books and the information that he's found, he's become much more just where he looks at he things in the way of the golden rule, do unto others as as you would have them do to you. Right. Oh, yeah. And if you meet him in person, he's like one of the easiest people to get along with. Like, yep. I can't imagine anybody meeting him and not liking him. Oh yeah. You know, there's certain people that you meet in life and you're just like, I can't imagine why anybody would not like them. You know, I don't care what you believe or what your stance on anything is. You know, when people like that, when you meet them and, and especially when you speak with them and, and you know that you're speaking with them about something that they feel passionately about, you know, you stand up and take notice whether you agree with it or not. You know, you take that in and it helps to form your opinion. You know, you can't you can't talk with people that believe exactly the way you do mm-hmm. your entire life. You know, you have to. Right. You know, not saying that I disagree with him on on. <laughs> on anything or or everything yeah. but you know oh sh- no <laughs> that's what I, that's what i say is like the insular approach is when you're isolated <laughs> and you're only around people that that agree with you and, right you know spend which your I life hope, spend your life preaching to the choir and yeah. not ever receiving anything which i hope that i have had plenty of people on the show that i disagree with and i plan to keep it that way well, i think it's the point of our show yep it sure is uh i want to go through the last year of shows that we did we did the kind of similar thing at the end of 2015 uh rob i don't know if you got a list or if you want to pull it up on your phone um i can try it are you just gonna read them off and yeah i'll read them off uh just like anything that you remember about them uh yeah i'll just follow your lead luke the same thing if you uh remember anything 
Doubtful, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll be optimistic. Oh, yeah. He was that guy. Oh, yeah. That was cool. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, we ended last year with uh, Robert Sullivan the fourth. That was the second time that he was on. And we started 2016. This is on January the 4th. Uh, this was episode 102. So we've done what, 45 shows this year. That's pretty, pretty yeah, impressive. Not bad. Uh, seven weeks off. Yep, seven weeks off. Um, some of that, though, was Paradise Symposium stuff. But uh, we'll get to that. So that was Brian Gadawa. First time we had him on. That was about his book series, Chronicles of the Nephilim. It was a little shorter of an interview because I was trying to do a little bit of a split thing at the time, which I decided not to keep doing. Um, do you remember anything about that one specifically? Um, I remember it, it, it was interesting. It was something that was very outside of my realm. Um, and that, that kind of delved more into the, you know, um, I don't know, real, religious side of stuff. Yeah. Where, where I'm kind of unfamiliar. Uh, followed by episode 103 that was uh, January the 11th. And what I'm doing is the days that I posted it. Uh, right. This was Dan Gordon, Day of the Dead, Gaza. Uh, this was a show that I really wanted to talk to him about. And he's a, a Hollywood screenwriter. Brian Godawa was is as well. Uh, but he did some stuff like uh, the movie Tank and uh, Celestine Prophecy. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Dan yeah. is uh, Dan is Jewish. He was in the the uh, Israeli Defense Forces, so I really wanted to get his kind of like take on what was going on over there from his perspective, and we yeah. also talked about his book, right? Which that that was really interesting getting the um because a lot of times on on this show we we get um not just an anti Muslim approach to stuff, but we get like we we kind of skirt the issue a lot, and and yeah. he he had a very good inside review on that. <laughs> Right, which was re- really interesting. The why things are the way they are and how they've escalated, yeah. and that sort of thing. And purely from his point of view, and he's somebody that I want to get on again because he has another book I think called Postcards from Heaven, where he talks about his son that he lost in a car accident uh, ten, fifteen years ago. What did he have to do with the Celestine prophecy? He wrote the screenplay for it. I didn't know there was a screenplay yeah, for that. There was a movie. About, <laughs> really? Yeah, I've never seen it. I have no idea. I'm really <laughs> not familiar with read the that. How do you past, say like, it? Just, just, just the first book? Yeah, I think so. Okay. It's an amazing series if you've never read it. How do you pronounce it? Celestine Prophecy. See, I always thought it was Celestine. Celestine. Uh, and then there's the, the 10th Insight and the 11th Insight. Are the, I've been pronouncing it wrong. It depends on how hip you are. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm kind of old. much craft beer you, you know? drink. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if you're drinking Yazi, you can call it a Celestine. If you have a posh mustache, <laughs> then Celestine. you can pronounce it <laughs> Celestine. Oh, a posh well. mustache. If, if you look like you're about to invent flight. Yeah, if, there, if there's wax in your mustache. <laughs> if, if, if you have you, a Wright Brothers facial hair. As Rob said, pattern. if you look like a prospector. I did have someone. I, I was quoting Jeff. I, okay. I did have All someone right. comment on this uh, on this show that uh, this is the first time we had a CIA agent on, which I don't know what to take about that. But anyway, that was followed by episode 104, and this was our good friend Soraya Askath, uh-huh. host of Where Did the Road Go? <laughs> yes. And we talked about Kundalini, altered states, ancient mysteries, and metal. Mm. Yeah. 
And this, yeah. was the, this was the show where uh, Soraya thought that Alyssa was the co-host. That was great. Well, it cracked me what up because mean? I'm not. I was. I, I used to. I used to Google. Um, <laughs> I used to Google conspiracy all the time just to see what kind of stuff would pop up. You know. Uh-huh. And his blog post popped up like on the first page, and it was like, "I want to thank Adam and Luke and co-host Alyssa." Me. For, <laughs> for I everything they do. Mentioned Luke. Did he even mention Luke? No, he mentioned Probably Luke. He not. just he didn't mention me. He mentioned you and Luke and Alyssa. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What? I'm awesome. I, I mean, really I can't help it. <laughs> but yeah, he, you should remember this one because he actually talks some metal. Oh about yeah, metal no, with no this I was guy. talking about him. Like, yeah. He couldn't remember who's who. So he's just like, oh well. <laughs> we'll we'll just uh we'll just go with it. But do you remember some of this? So we talk about the Kundalini awakening and and uh Yeah, uh, faintly. Yeah. Very very faintly. It was back all the way back. Almost in non existent yeah. faintly. So- I don't remember most of this year, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, Seriously. we'll just move right along. Then. That was a good uh, show, though. But yeah, we need to have Soraya back on. I'm Absolutely. Gonna, like, uh, episode 150, which we're going to come up on soon. I want to try to get him and a couple of other guys back on for a round L- table. A little round table, I'll yeah. to make sure I'm on for that uh, one. Episode 105. I mean, you are the co-host, by the way. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I have to, to be. Listen, I'm Ryan the co-host is now. on the show. You have to be the co-host. <laughs> yeah, episode 105. This is Rocky, Rocky Stucci. Oh, we had Rocky, Rocky back on. Love Rocky. <laughs> Social engineering, Hegelian dialectic, uh, dialectic elections, and the Oregon standoff is what I called it. And we talked a lot about on that show about the Oregon standoff that was happening at that time. We yeah. posted this the February 2nd. So this was right as that I think was actually winding down. Anything that you remember about this one? <clears throat> um, not Not distinctly, but I mean, just... Rocky in general, like whenever we have Rocky on, I'm always like, I, I kind of prepare myself ahead of those shows because I always feel like he's a little more like right oriented mm-hmm. politically than me. Mm-hmm. But then whenever I talk to him, he's not. <laughs> I don't know what yeah, it is. I mean, I think he has a very, I mean, he's, he's really, he's, yeah, I think he's, he's looking into a lot of this stuff himself. He is. And he's very like, um, very mid ground, very, yeah, just, just very, very well versed in all of it, and and I don't know what it is about him that I was, I always feel like I have to prepare an argument for, it, even though I always agree with him. Well, we get into some, you know, when when you're more when right than you him, thought, we get yeah. into some real kind of like deep and he's more left stuff, than things that are much more on a very human level. Yeah, he we get real philosophical with mm-hmm. him. Absolutely. Uh, episode one hundred six, February tenth. That was Walter Bosley, third time that he was on. Which we just had him on not too long ago, and he talked about hair removal. Yes, he did. And <laughs> which is very important. Hair removal. Uh, this was actually no. He talked about the origin of the breakaway civilization. This was about his book Origin. Uh, that was fascinating. Mm-hmm. I still haven't gone back and looked into like because uh, after listening to that one, I wanted to go back and look at the origins of just flight in general. Yeah, and you know, aero mechanics and. And all of that, it, like it, it brought a whole huge chunk of like my my knowledge as far as uh, aeroflight history to question, but in a really really great way. Yeah. That was a really really great episode. One of the things from the episode reading the book also is like uh, he looks at uh, kind of like the development of the what he thinks you know that he sees UFOs as possibly being a craft that are being used by a breakaway civilization. 
Right. So he's looking at <laughs> things like the 1850s, the Charles Dalshell stuff. Right. Well, yeah, it goes back to the, the balloon yeah. sent yeah. up to, to scout um, and then being. And then like the uh, airship <laughs> mystery of the late 1800s, 1890s. Which was then, my biggest question for him on that episode, which I posed at the end was uh, why, why didn't this get militarized? And right. He, and he had a great response to it, which was that at the time it didn't seem important. You know, at the time, no one was thinking about that. Nobody cared about that. And the people that were pioneering that kind of stuff were kind of already on the fringes of like, well, screw everybody. Let's do our thing. And yeah, let's let's that's my stance. Let's attach some machine guns to it. Right. (laughs) Why not? It's very like steampunk. It is. It's really. yeah, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. Next episode was episode 107. That was uh, February 27th. That was Ron Felber, the Mojave incident, uh, which, by the way, uh, was on Paranormal Witness. They redid that. I know. I saw, uh, I, saw, I, saw I, I watched that with Alyssa, and I was like, I think, I think, we, I I think we had, I think we had a guest about this. Yeah, he was on that show as well. Yeah, um, I know. That's, and that's, what brought, that's when I finally was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we did. I had heard him on. Yeah. Um, I had heard him on Darkness Radio, and I was real intrigued by the story. Mm-hmm. And then we we had him on, and there so, were some things that I that you know he talked about in the book uh, about the hallucinations and uh, that you know that you couldn't have shared hallucinations. And I think I kind of challenged him a little bit on that with the whole existence of BZ and the fact that these people were out pretty close to a. Um, Milita- several military installations right. were in a remote area, but they were close to the installations. And so they were out there and that the possibility that they could have had some kind of altered stage experience because there's so many things in that. One of the things that really struck me in that experience was that when they had this horrible thing where they felt like they were being attacked by these these little beings, then all of a sudden they have this angel that shows up, which actually is not in the Paranormal Witness right. uh, spe- the the show. That's not in there, but that's very much an aspect of it. And the the comparison between that kind of experience and ayahuasca experience where people feel like they're being torn apart, and then all of a sudden they have a beautiful experience afterwards was very similar. Yeah, I remember that. that- yeah, that kind of threw him for a loop a little bit. My my favorite element of that story, though, is that after everything was said and done, they got in their pickup and drove to like their nearest neighbor, which was miles away or whatever. Yeah, because they thought that everyone in the world had experienced this. Right, they were like convinced that it was like an apocalyptic event. Yeah, right. It's like the Orson and, Welles like <laughs> right, War of but, the Worlds. Like they thought but, everybody. But they got to the nearest neighbor and 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 explained what had happened to them, and everyone was like, "No, we yeah. don't." We have no so idea which, which, what you're talking about. To me, lends like at least if not if not credibility to like, uh, you know, the extraterrestrial element at least to to their testament. Or like, I don't know right. what they experienced or why right. they experienced it, but they experienced something for sure. Well, I would say that I would say, and 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 I think it really sounds maybe sounded like to him and someone that that. Well, I mean, in, if you read the book, he doesn't really ever come out and say that it's extraterrestrial. He has a very right. fair balanced view of what he sees which i like about this case because it 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 kind of it it it, it's one of those ones that kind of straddles the lines of it's not an abduction story it's 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 a weird like you know uh close encounter of the fourth kind meets mk Mm -hmm. ultra meets a lot of weird 
weird kind of stuff. Yeah, and 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 definitely that something happened to those people. What happened to them was a hundred percent real. Right. In fact, in the in the in the show, they actually show the 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 hip the actual couple being hypnotized and going through what they what they went through. Right. And it's it's a fascinating story. It really is. Uh episode one oh eight. That was Robert W. Sullivan the fourth. That was uh third time he was on, which if we have him back on again, it'll be the fourth. So we'll do Robert W. Sullivan four four. Uh, <laughs> this was a special that we did on Western esotericism <clears throat> where we kind of went through the history of Gnosticism, Freemasonry, mystery religions. Uh think I don't know if we talked about Manly P. Hall. We might have talked a little bit about Elif. Levi and some other ones. Uh, I don't. Were you there for that one? I don't know. <laughs> Dude, you got to tell me. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to like actually listen to these again to figure out, make a tally of how many that you've actually. <laughs> Considering this was back in February, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I really like Robert's stuff in the that you know he's going to have his new cinema symbolism book out. Uh, I like a too. cinema symbolism stuff. Mm-hmm. The, the, yeah, the more. Um, oh, I was here. Yeah, the more. Well, that he's been on since then. I think this yeah. year too. That, but the more historic. Um, well, no, this is the last time we had him on. Was is back it? in uh, more uh, February. Okay. Yeah. Well, those those shows like I they they're kind of a blur for me because it's so much information. Yeah, it's a lot of information. The cinema symbolism stuff I remember, but the yeah, the esotericism stuff not so much. Episode 109, Mike Clellan, The Messengers, one of my favorite episodes, one of my favorite guys to have on the show. Um, This was about the owls. Yeah. And both owls in screen memories of UFO abductees, but also people that have had UFO abduction and UFO and alien contact experiences and the synchronicities that they have with real owls. Showing yes. up. And I will some fascinating will, One of my favorite movies is <laughs> The Fourth Kind. Uh-huh. And that's the first time I ever like Yeah. even was like exposed to like, oh, owls are a thing. You know, mm-hmm. like as far as like uh, a manifestation of something and then i did more digging and i'm like holy crap yes yeah, there's a were... lot of stories uh-huh. and i've always liked owls but i never like and that has nothing to do with it but still like i was like wow this is crazy like there's so many people with so many stories especially in that you know like area you know and 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 like if you actually do some research into the um you know, the part of Canada or whatever, where this happened, Alaska, Alaska. Yeah. If you do any research into this area, like there's a huge FBI presence, there's a huge government presence. And there's also like all this weird stuff that's going on with these owls and abductions. (sighs) And uh, it's just, it's crazy. Like I I liked the movie. I I liked the movie. What I didn't like was the gimmick that they did of saying that it was a real event and yeah, and it wasn't right. But you get that. I mean, if you watch it and you do the research, you know, like you realize that that was just kind of like a, yeah, a depiction, like a dramatization. You well, know, I knew about of, the whole owl thing all the way back from like communion, right? From well, Whitley Strieber's and stuff. It, he yeah, talks and about it, and that's the thing. And Mike relates it to um, other stuff, even outside of the the UFO 
um, phenomena. You know, it's right. There's there's sightings that that are more more paranormal, more spiritual, more like mm-hmm. you know, owls are ingrained in all these different kinds of things. Yep. And in the occult as well. Yep. I mean, uh, Bohemian Grove first of all <laughs> comes to mind. Yeah. Um, that's one of them, but yeah, that movie, the fourth kind, I, I mean, I remember we're going to see that and being very happy that it incorporated that in right. as part of the, as part of the film, because that's all over UFO abduction. Yeah. That's or, the first I've ever heard of it. And, yeah. and then well, once I did the research, like that can make you go and back and look at something and do research like that. Right. And then do the research and find out that's a theme with actual accounts from real people it was it, it, i i just really liked that movie i thought it was good episode 110 that was uh Jeanette la tulip the ufo bigfoot connection i ended up i did this one by myself um i had scotty roberts sit in with me on this one um i don't remember what the situation was maybe you were out of town rob or something what was the day on it Oh, it was, uh, you had to do Chris Christopherson. Oh, that was, uh, yeah. Stuff. That was what it was. Yeah. I remember you, you were cursing him. Yeah, I, I was cursing so, Chris like, Christopherson. Chris Christopherson. <laughs> Damn you. For taking away my producer. How dare you? <laughs> Who do you think you are? <laughs> so I had Scotty Roberts sit in, and we did some, uh, we, we talked about uh, Paradise Symposium a little Ooh. bit, and we talked about his, his undying love for Trump, and <laughs> we had this oh, lady Lord. come on to talk about her Bigfoot uh, her Bigfoot uh, experiences in dealing with UFOs. And, you know, this one uh, was an interesting one because, again, it was someone that just had personal experiences to relay. And when you let them talk about their personal experiences, you can see that, hey, these experiences are real to this person, that this that that this happened. Right. Now, whether that what is she saying is actually physical or not, and not something that is spiritual or in nature and non-physical, I couldn't tell you. But since I lean there anyway, that's what I think. Right. Uh, episode 111, Peter Robbins. First time we had Peter on this year. Then we talked about Wilhelm Reich and Orgone. Oh, yeah. Luke was here for that. That was a good one. Yeah, yeah that, Luke was here. That for was that rad. One. And Randall, Randall Carlson actually made me a believer. Because I thought it, I I really thought it was so BS. Peter didn't convince you, but Randall later did. Hey, Randall huh? did. Yeah. I, I mean, there's nothing against Peter. I mean, like I, I know that he knows he knows the subject well thoroughly. Yeah. You know, I, I could tell that, and he's actually went out to the sites and he's experienced everything firsthand. But Randall Carlson gave it to me in an explanation that I could really like relate to. Mm-hmm. Very cool. What was the like? How did you relate more to that than <laughs> because he 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 was saying about like uh, the structure of an atom compared to the anatomy of the human body compared to um orgone and how it works at, as an earth science gotcha you know, okay yeah and and how they each relate and they're each like scale model of uh, different scales of models and it's mm-hmm. a, a repetitive sort of structure <coughs> of the energies and what's happening what was the scientist whose research that was all based on Wilhelm Reich that's right Wilhelm Reich mm-hmm. Uh, love Peter. Love having him on. Oh, absolutely. And got the pleasure of. of <laughs> I want. I want to have him on just for some. Hanging of, out with him in New York City. I just want to have him on for some of his side stories someday. Oh yeah, he's, we got to do that. He's the best sure. storyteller ever, for real. And he's experienced some amazing stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, the whole story about him like hitchhiking to India. That was just so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of my favorite favorite times at the um the yeah, Paradigm Symposium was like yeah, just hanging out on yeah. the steps outside smoking cigarettes, listening to him talking about his hitchhiking experiences when he was just a young, like crazy hit hippie <laughs> it was funny it was pup. funny because we were uh we were in, when i was in new york it was me and my friend harden and we meet up with him and columbus circle and I, I say i say where uh where are you uh where are you staying when you're here in new york because he he doesn't live there he lives in ithaca where um soraya lives as well and and he said uh he, he said, well, I'm staying at my friend Alan Lanier's, who's the drummer of Blue Oyster Cult's house. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's totally normal. Cool, dude. <laughs> and then we're like, uh, the, uh, we met up with him again on that Wednesday right before we came back to Nashville. And he said, we're, we're walking through Central Park. And he says, he says, right here is where, uh, in this spot was where we had the Central Park be in. I don't remember it because I was way too high. <laughs> But oh. I don't remember most of the 60s. <laughs> yeah. well, his sister is Helen okay, Wheels. Yeah, yeah. So Right. And she did a lot of things with Blue Oyster Cult, wrote yeah. a few of their songs, uh, which is interesting because uh, there's a recording of her singing the song Ghost by Rocky Erickson, which actually the band Ghost redid a cover of. Nice. So, uh, episode 112, that's Brian Gadawa too. Second time we had him on. Uh, this was talking about his, his new series called Chronicles of the Watchers. And this was about, uh, the first emperor of China mm-hmm. and some of the things that he believed there. Uh, again, an interesting show. Uh, I'd have to go back and listen to it, but uh, I did enjoy the books. Very, I, I like the books by screenwriters because they're very much like a movie. You know, yeah, that was one I spent the whole time on Wikipedia trying to understand the conversation, <laughs> trying to get caught. Yeah. Up. <laughs> <laughs> Episode one thirteen. Our good friend Joshua Cutchin, the Cutch. First time we had him on this year. This was a Trojan feast. Oh, I love that episode so much. Yeah. Like and, and you know, I mentioned it just wait we just had him on the last episode, so I, I mean this is real recent, but right. You know, I came into that one with um you had told me it was the relationship between like spiritual beings or fairies and Bigfoot and food and I was I was thinking like, okay, it's we're gonna talk about what like fairies eat. That okay. <laughs> okay. But but then it was it was it was totally a different angle. It was like the you know, all these like folklore tales and like this really cool angle to like the offering of food to spiritual beings and to, or the reception of food and these binding contracts between the two and just really, really cool stuff that's like pervasive through all these different cultures. And it, it is awesome interview. Also the association with entheogens and hallucinogenics. Right. Yeah. yeah. Those things as well. Right. It's good to uh, have somebody who is out there actually putting in the work and researching oh, he does so to find much. these connections, oh, you know, yeah. because you don't, so much research. you don't, yeah. you don't think about it on your own, you right. know, but then when someone else does the work, puts in the work and the time and the research and does it for you, you're like, Wow, that's that's crazy, uh-huh. you know. And, and he's totally that guy. And it's good to have those people. So episode 114, Mark Anthony Wyatt. This is about Wyatt's weird world. Uh, uh, when I guess in the UK, so it was kind of like an early show, early day show for us. Uh, this was uh, very interesting. A lot of different personal stories that he told. Interesting story that is about his dad and the faceless <laughs> figure on the bicycle. Uh, has he been on twice this year? No, this is the only time he's been on uh, so far. We'll, we'll have him on again, I'm sure. But uh, he had... 
I guess I just talked to him a lot on Facebook ever since that show. Yeah, I feel like I yeah, talked to him yeah, a lot. Yeah, he's a very interesting guy. He has so many interesting stories. A lot, a lot of it has, some of it has to do a lot with sleep paralysis. Uh, very interesting story about him being a little kid and and f- having this dream of flying over a city and then being able to tell that there was a wall in a certain place that he never had been to physically. Uh-huh. That was very interesting. Uh, episode 115, Scotty Roberts. Uh, we had Scotty back on. I think we did an hour of just us in the studio uh, that we did. So I'm assuming you can edit all that out but anyway <laughs> the the uh that, so that was a, that was something we did in the studio uh i think with just the three of us i'm not sure if the, who who was there but definitely you and me and then i had scotty on the next night because i was supposed to have him and john ward come on but oh we talked about, yeah, yeah. But john couldn't do it <laughs> i remember and I had, and that was when john was living in minneapolis and we talked about paradigm symposium yeah, and we that, talked more about scotty's love for trump yeah it was a lot of trump <laughs> stuff I remember that. so i remember listening to it afterwards and be like uh, i wish you'd been there <laughs> <laughs> episode 116 a lot of that was getting ready for paradise symposium too mm-hmm. you know we you, we getting be trying to support him and and to get to paradise support symposium and hopefully maybe he got some people we got some people to come who knows episode 116 uh the first time we had on dr furnish dr timothy furnish and this, this, this is, is that's the first time we've had him on yeah that was the first time we we had him on twice uh this year yeah, that was I call that Islam 101 because oh, that was all yeah. about Islam and the different sects, Sunnis and, and Sunnis and Shiites, Shiites and, and all that. It was, yeah, that was I. I didn't retain any of it, but it was <laughs> fascinating. Like, well, I mean, I, I I did. I I learned more in that hour and a half talk to him about Muslim culture than I've ever learned the rest of my life. And yeah, I have to be honest. Even, I I have no idea. Of even the, the tiny percentages that I retained is more than I've ever learned anywhere else. Right. Like, well, I think it's yeah. important for people to understand it. You know, right. no. understand what oh, you're yeah. talking sure. about. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of information there. Yeah, the sure. different factions and who is actually involved in what and. Mm. Yeah. So if you're interested, go back and check out that episode. Uh, episode 116. Episode 117. This was the first of our Paradigm Symposium interviews that we did. Uh, this was in May that we posted it and we recorded them on the 14th and 15th while we were in Minneapolis. This one was two interviews. This had, uh, this was the first one we had Micah Hanks. Richard Dolan, and Peter Robbins, and we talked about uh, mostly R- Richard Dolan uh, talking about the nature of UFOs and skepticism, and then we also got in a little bit of uh, false flag stuff because that's what Richard was working on at the time. And uh, the anyway, uh, the second one was we had uh, Peter Still, and then we had Jennifer Stein, and also. Um, uh, Travis Walton. Yeah. Said all was that, was that all for that episode? Was it just two segments? Yeah, there were two segments <laughs> on that episode. That was our UFO spectacular. Yep. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that when we were what we were doing the interview with Richard and Peter and Micah and Travis Walton is sitting there and I'm just like, yeah, he well he he just was like gravitated towards <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. That was like, man, that, cool that, that that whole experience was just amazing. I mean, hanging out with just that caliber of people. You know, Richard Dolan, obviously amazing. Yeah. 
super knowledgeable in multiple fields and it, it was a pleasure to have him on and then we've, we've had him on again since yes, haven't we? Have. Mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. i thought so but um travis walton you know well, i'd love to get on again but I, I did try to contact him but i never got a contact back yeah him but and jennifer i think i'm gonna go th- try to go through, go through jennifer, jennifer for get, sure Je- well I, yeah I don't, I don't think that travis handles yeah. any of that kind of stuff. which was the weird thing about jennifer was is that she lives <laughs> in philadelphia and like knows my uncle like, yeah, that small was weird. World, man. But anyway, yeah, yeah no, no, but, but that was awesome. Like getting the the fire in the sky, sky story, like uh, directly from the source, because it's so it's such a discrepancy from the movie mm-hmm. to the actual like experience, you know. And right. his experience, he's come to a different understanding throughout the years of what that experience was to him. So, so to get that, like, it was almost like a fresh take on on an old subject, you know. Yep. Very much so. By the way, a super cool movie. Yeah, it was. It was and everybody should watch it. I made my children watch it. But not exact to what actually happened. Yeah. Well, not, not exact, obviously. It's a movie. But, episode, I mean. Episode 118, Jarmo Puskala talking about movies. We talked about Iron Sky. Oh, Iron Sky. Yeah. Uh, that was awesome. Truth. <laughs> I called this Iron Sky Truth and Fiction. Uh, Jarmo is lives in Finland, and we talked. Yes. To, we talked a little bit about. We das talked about boot. the movie, but he is no, one of the uh, one of the screenwriters and concept writers from the movie Iron Sky, which is about the Nazis living in living on the moon. Uh, so. That was that was very interesting. We also talked a little bit about what's going on in Finland, uh, how uh, they view things like the the World War II and their involvement in it, and then also their relationship with Russia. So that was interesting yeah. as well. Yeah, the talk about Russia stuff was fun. Mm-hmm. Like, well, and we were talking about Iron Sky two a lot during the show. Which yeah, when do we know when that's coming? Uh, out? I don't think it's any set date at the moment. I still think they're still kind of crowded. Because at, at, at the time, there was like promo videos already out. Yeah, and, and, there, and there still are. I think they've made some more. Okay, but we were talking about how like they had this one about Jesus, like you Which know, they had like, to cut <laughs> tearing himself off the cross and, and then picking up and two then, like, AKs and then shooting people. Oh and, my and god! Then, and then it uh, was great. And then it, and then. But they thought that one was the one that they would get all the the, the controversy over. But the one they got was the one where they made fun of Putin. Yeah, right. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Episode. Jesus is fine. Jesus is fair game, but not Putin. Don't make fun of not Putin. Make fun of Putin. Not Putin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go home and watch Passion of the Christ again. <laughs> Why would you do that but to I'm, yourself? Enjoy yourself. <laughs> Why would you do that to yourself? I'm gonna mute it and though don't. and like play metal in the background. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Episode, episode one nineteen. Uh, Jim Bear King, Bigfoot Stark Side. Yes. <laughs> We remember about this one, Rob. Rob is a big uh, Bigfoot. Besides fan. Bigfoot romancing horses. No, oh, that's all I remember. <laughs> yeah, that was it. No, the, there was some like I don't know. I've I've been into the Bigfoot thing for a long time, and mostly because I want to believe in it, not yeah. because I necessarily do like think that there's a possibility of it. Like, it just it's it's fun. It's a really fun thing to like follow and and believe in, you know. But there was there was some interesting. Um, <laughs> characteristics to it like traits that he had found through various different cases the braiding of hair thing mm-hmm. yeah which is apparently a primate thing or something that but burn the, your hair. The, the connection between that and livestock in rural areas and the usage of that to distract a horse while a bigfoot that's not the prime bigfoot yeah 
does his thing <laughs> you also with get, said horse. You also got to hear me say the phrase, I want some semen in reference to extracting semen from the horse, our cow, this is to very, prove that this, Bigfoot This is a very good case. You're like, well, if this is happening to all these horses, why don't we, we, why don't we get a DNA sample? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Which, I, tol- I, which I totally agree with. That's why I meant by I want some semen. We all, we all know you want oh, semen, dude. Jesus. You don't have to cover. <laughs> if you want some semen, I can probably hook you up with somebody. Anyway. <laughs> 20 bucks a and pop. And moving on. Episode 120. <laughs> Robert uh, Guffey, Camellio, which uh, yeah. Heather just heard the other day and told me is her favorite episode, by the way. Well, she hadn't heard the recent ones yeah that's true no no that was a great episode like that was bizarre yes i had never heard of anything like this um man that, that one ranged from everywhere from like not even mk ultra stuff but like to like um cloaking devices to um i can't remember what's the what's the term not crowd control but um crowd crowd stalking crowd stalking mm-hmm. yeah just a bizarre concept i've never yeah. heard of before and Kind of a little bit scary, and 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 apes shooting AK forty sevens in the middle of the <laughs> in the middle of the desert. Yeah, and just all kind all kinds of weirdness. Um, and great, great stuff though. Yeah, very good. Um, Robert's one of my favorite guests. I'm gonna get him back on soon as well. Episode one twenty one. This is the time period in the middle of June where you were exiled to Bonnaroo. Yeah, festival season. And then later on to Firefly. <laughs> so we saved our uh, interviews uh, from Paradise Symposium, and actually we put up the one that we just had. Uh, we had just we did first actually. Which was, we kind of like made an, an ancient mysteries, ancient civilizations theme, but we, we did the interview with Laird Scranton and Randall Carlson yeah, that Friday did. night. That was actually the first interview we did. The rest of them were on fr- Saturday and Sunday. Uh, but we also had on, uh, Ed Nightingale, which. Oh yeah. His stuff blew my mind and some of the stuff he's coming up with. And then Scott Walter, we sat down with him as well. Yep. Which uh, was our again. second time having him on. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so episode 122, you were still at Bonnaroo at this point. I had John Ward and Stephen Ogden on. Uh, this was right before Brexit. And we talked yeah. about Brexit and what was going on, what could potentially happen and kind of how things are kind of realigning. Got Stephen's viewpoint on what's going on in Germany. Good old Stephen Ogden. Sounds like he's a you know the, the Australian German. I love Stephen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can get Stephen back on here. I haven't heard from him in, in a while, actually. So, but, but I still see him off. Yeah, Facebook. last time we talked to him, he was going to start his own podcast. Yeah, posting about Star Wars mostly. Episode one twenty three, Paradise Symposium interviews part three. This was the last ones that we did. Uh, this was but God, this was probably like three hours long. Uh, we had Rocky uh-huh. with us live. And actually Luke called us because he, you know, he abandoned us to go to the art museum. Well, Rocky insisted we, we put him on the microphone. Yeah. So he was like, hold up, hold up to the doctor, Dr. Rita Louise. We talked right. to as well, which at that time we didn't really know a lot about her. Uh, Tim Dennis still worth uh, it uh, from darkness radio. 
uh, which was, oh Tim Tim was awesome. Yeah, I love I love talking to Tim. I'd love to talk to Tim again. Yeah, we need to get him back on as well. Uh, and then finally, John Ward and Scotty in a slightly inebriated, odd state that night, which you had to actually edit down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> after three days of paradigm symposium craziness and like blood sugar issues and lack of sleep and uh-huh. all kinds of craziness, it was that was yeah that was fun. <laughs> I think I took an hour and a half and turned into like 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a little more than that. It was about 50 minutes. <laughs> Episode 124, uh, this was Red Pill Junkie. We talked about Castaneda, McKenna, and mystical experiences. Oh, I love it. Uh, I love the whole subject. Red Pill is great. You know, we called him in, in Mexico. He's always got a lot of deep stuff to talk about. I still um, think we need to do DMT sometime before an episode. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> And then just flow. No topic. No know. topic. Just, just, no, just go. I know that. <laughs> Luke's forgotten how to do podcasts. <laughs> I don't have to say everything on the mic, all right? <laughs> but anyway, so, yeah. Can you talk about Carlos Castaneda, Terrence McKenna, some of the more personal experiences that uh, Red Pill has had? And we even had him do a little Spanish introduction for the show as well. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. that was awesome. <laughs> With Luke's uh, I Coco Baño song. <laughs> hey, it, it's still catchy. Even in this day. Catchy as hell. With the little whistles in it. LS Conspirator. Episode 125. That was a kind of double guest episode. That was Longshoreman Johnny, Johnny from the Iron Show, and Heather. Our good friend Heather. We talked to Tara with her, and I called jo- uh, Sc- uh, Johnny's episode. His part of the episode was was some general Iron Show craziness. Which my favorite part of that I've listened to it several times is where he's talking about his friend that would help would hold up uh, gas stations and uh, <laughs> would split the would split the money with the clerks, but got caught anyway. And, yeah. Uh, then was uh, just too trusting. <laughs> then tried to escape out, out on the damn ocean from the from the island prison and said that the that they washed up with the fish eating his eyeballs <laughs> what yeah that was great you go back, you, know, you get to go back and listen to it man you, fan, you were man. there you were there for that one and heather, <laughs> heather told my fortune yeah heather did you did her t- did the tarot for us on that one we had some of your friends from sir sit in with us on that too we talked about the uh that was right when the philando castile shooting happened oh yeah that's right Followed by episode 126. This was Richard Dolan uh, came to the show, UFOs for the 21st Century Mind. We talked about that book. Uh, Very interesting show. That was quite an honor to have have Dolan on. And he was such a good, like, down-to-earth guy, too. Well, he's he's always so easy to talk to. He's got – he's so knowledgeable and he's so quick. And you just – I don't know. I, I love Richard. Yep. And someone else that we love, followed by episode 127. So this is like a one-two punch here. It was Randall Carlson. Oh, yeah. First time we had him on, proper on the show. Sacred Geometry and Ancient Catastrophes. And uh, Randall, somebody we definitely got to get back on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know what kind of like voodoo he's got going on with the way he speaks and everything. Uh-huh. But he, 
he appeals to such a huge well, crowd. I've heard him described as a wizard, and that's yeah, kind of how he is. That's he's kind of like he's kind of like Gandalf or Hagrid, you know? <laughs> somewhere yeah. between the two. Yeah, he's, he has, he has that air about him, man. Yeah, you know? totally. Like he talks and you just want to like stop and listen. The long hair, that beard, you know, and it's yeah. like you just, you just hang I'm on, out. I'm on to the occultism. Oh I, yeah, I'm on it. He's the grandmaster, dude. He is for sure. In fact, when we were at Paradise Symposium, he was sitting on the Grand Master chair. Like, he owns He's this place. He's like York and Scottish Rite <laughs> Master, right? What's that? No, York, no, no, no. York no, and just, Scottish Rite? Just a Scottish. I think so. I thought I, he was like... I think he told he told me just a Scottish. I oh, okay. Is it? Okay. I yeah. thought, yeah. He's definitely so he's definitely up there. He's he, uh, Yeah. He was showing us a lot of stuff. He knows about, some stuff. About uh, Freemasonry while we were there. Episode 128, that was the crossover show that we called the Conspiracy Leisure Normal Hour. Oh, yeah. That was with uh, Renee, Jeff, and the three of us here, which was very, very good. One of my favorite shows that we did, I think. Um, That was good because it was just kind of, it was a good crossover between the two shows. Uh, Episode 129, Peter Robbins 3. That was the life and work of Bud Hopkins. This was in uh, late August. We talked about Peter's uh, relationship with Bud Hopkins, the uh, a famous UFO abduction researcher, uh, about Hopkins' life. Uh, we talked a little bit about also about uh, Peter meeting John Mack. Uh, this is all the stories that he had about that. So it was fascinating. We did that on kind of like the uh, five-year anniversary, fifth five-year right. anniversary of Hopkins' death is when we recorded. Not, not to delve into any kind of drama or anything, but did you see his uh, separation from Larry? Yeah, I saw something about that. Yeah, I saw that. I don't know what's going on there. I don't either. Um, and he's asked not to ask about it, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, episode 130, Rebecca Roth 2. This was about her book, Methodical Conclusion, which a much more much more delving into the 9-11 conspiracy, some of the different uh, aspects of it. Uh, right, and we also talked a lot about the... Um, conspiracies surrounding her actual identity uh-huh which was for me that that was really interesting because like <clears throat> you know i think anyone in her position you know we we justified it on the show the same way as like you know if i was privy to this kind of information and i was wanting to release it i would use a pen name and i would protect my family in any way i could right like i i get nervous sometimes just doing the show that we do you know yeah and she's out there throwing out information that could you know, put her on every no-fly list and, right. you know, target her in every way possible. So, I don't, I mean, I totally understand. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I mean, and it's not, it's not impossible to use a pin name. Not, not that I agree with everything. Not, and not that I agree with everything that she has to say, because some of it is very subjective and questionable. Right. But still, like, it's, that was interesting. Yep. I totally get where you're coming from. Uh, episode 131. You leaving us, Luke? I gotta pee. Episode one thirty one, Robert Guffey two. We talked about cryptoscatology. Mm. That was uh, also very. We had a uh, that was we the, had a the lot phallic thrown through the, the yes, the phallic thrown through the uh, uh, through the magical magic, space magic pussy. space pussy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we also got into the phantom clown stuff. The best with, quote with of two thousand sixteen. Yes, I'm gonna take my phallic thrown through the magic space pussy. <laughs> Instead, instead of a phantom cloud. <laughs> <laughs> Episode one thirty two, Doctor Timothy Furnish. This is the second time we had him on. This was about Sufism. Again, a lot of information on this one. 
Right. But I think also important to understand. Yeah, for sure. But, well, especially in, in the current climate with the, the whole anti, <laughs> you know, we shouldn't be anti-Muslim. We should be anti-radicals. And yeah. that, I think that was a good insight into that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, which he's very fair, I think, about yeah. how because he, he understands <laughs> Islam so well, but he has a very good grasp of what's going on over there. So, right, and he breaks it down to like you understand where this radicalism comes from because everything is cause and effect. Like right. you can't just you can't just like, um, you know, take something and say this is this is awful, this is bad. We need to to fight it without understanding the. It's like putting a bandaid on a gunshot wound, you know. Yeah. Episode one thirty three, Mark Devlin, Musical Truth. Oh, that was fun. We sat in, uh, Jeff sat in with us on that one. Uh, we had to do that again. That was like really early in the day because again, we were calling Great Britain. So like the five, six hour time difference, which we will be doing with our first guest of 2017, by the way. Uh, but, uh, yeah, a lot of different interesting things in this one talking about some music conspiracies, the Paul is dead stuff. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> a lot of, uh, different aspects on this one as well. Um, followed by episode 134, which he actually did on the same day, but was posted in October. This was Giovanni Deitzman, Meditation Techniques, Types, and Practices. And this wasn't a long interview. No, uh, but that was really cool. Like, that, not just the, um, he didn't get into any technique type stuff, but the, just the, um, the benefits of his, his whole lifestyle was really fascinating mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. And we were supposed to have him on and then have Sarah Soderlin on, but she canceled right after I got done with him. And so we did another, we did some other things that we talked to. We talked a little bit more about, uh, how, uh, about some of the different chakras and these different, uh, these different techniques of meditation and had some discussion about other, other things as well. Uh, episode 135, this is the beginning of October. We kind of started our like October Halloween stuff. It started off with Sarah Soderland. Uh, oh, that's great. Haunted by the Abyss. And uh, very, very cool when you have somebody that is a, uh, that is like a, into so many different kinds of things. Yeah, we, we could have her on a dozen shows, I yeah. feel like. And I, we clicked with her so well. She was, she's just such a great guest and a great host. Like, she does her own show, right? Yeah, yeah, I think she's trying to get another show started with uh with Rocky on IPBN. Nice. So uh that was followed by episode 136 Steve Stockton number 2. That was My Strange World where we talked about more of his personal experiences that right. he had. Uh this was uh Again, a very interesting interview, and we also talked again about the Phantom Clowns to get kind yeah, of, his, of course. get his get his input on it. Episode one thirty seven, uh, Jenny Ashford and Thomas Ross. We talked about the Poltergeist phenomenon and experiences. <clears throat> we talked about uh, Tom's experiences at the Mammoth Mountain. Right, Poltergeist. That was, that was an awesome show. So we got his own personal right, and this stuff this, going on. And this, yeah, that stuff all took place like before. A lot of that kind of stuff was popularized before Poltergeist and mm-hmm. everything, but it, it mimics a lot of that stuff so well that it's just an amazing case, and I, I absolutely love that show. Yeah, I re-listened to that one twice. Yeah, it was a, that was a, that was a good one, uh, and I definitely want to get them back on as well. Yeah, at some point. absolutely. Uh, 
Episode 138, Tom Dunn. They talk about uh, Detestable. Uh, <laughs> that was one that was, I think, a little controversial. We had uh, Jeff sitting on that one yeah. as well. Yeah, that was one that, that one kind of, yeah. <laughs> that, was about, uh, that was about satanic ritual abuse. Right. And we also talked about after the show about kind of like how I felt about it. And this right. was kind of like the pre-Pizzagate stuff. Right. So, which he came up again with that as well. Uh, 139, that was our elections, but our, our 2016 election spectacular. And that was going through and looking at what was going on with the election. We had Rob Gray, who, uh, is a big Trump supporter. And we also had, uh, Rocky and Scotty. And, uh, you know, Rocky and uh, Luke were having bro moments over here. Yeah, they were. Ooh. That's my boy. Then Luke left and we had, uh, we had Mike and Sexy. On. So uh, episode 140, that was Dr. Rita Louise and Chris Wolford. We talked to Chris about uh, Tom DeLong and kind of like his, about the disclosure right. and what was going on there. Uh, and we talked to, to Rita about, uh, her book, Holy Deception, yeah. which that was, uh, about kind of like an ancient aliens kind of vibe going on there. Yeah. Rita's another guest we need to have on more regularly. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Episode 141. This was John Tinney and Craig Ciccone, JFK assassination researchers and researchers and theories, where we talked about some of the most l- little known JFK researchers and some of the different theories that were out there about the JFK assassination that was close to the, uh, to the anniversary episode 142 is Ryan Sprague. Uh, we kind of did a little thing like you, me and Jeff, uh, talked about some subjects and then I interviewed Ryan cause he had actually canceled the night before, but I did it the next day. Uh, that was good. Cause we talked about his book somewhere in the skies. Yeah. about kind of like personal <laughs> UFO experiences, not only from him, but from different people that he had, he had interviewed and kind of like their personal aspects and, uh, their, their ideas on it. Closing the gap here, 143. That was, we had Mike over there in studio and then we had, uh, Justin, yes. his friend Justin and, Jeremy. and uh, Jeremy were, were in studio with us and we talked about, uh, Adolf Hitler surviving World War II and Pizzagate and all kinds of things. Followed by episode 144, which this was only the beginning of this month. Uh, that was with Walter Bosley, and we talked about his book, Shimmering Light. Right. And finally, episode 145, which was Brimstone Deceit, which we just did. <laughs> Talking about uh, Joshua Cutchin back on about uh, smells. And finally tonight, episode 146 with Dr. Future. Closing out 2016. That's a good blend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what we had. Lots who's, of terrible who's, who's things our? happened this year, but yeah. on a positive note. <laughs> it's over. Uh, yeah, just, just boot. Oh, who's, and I saw tonight, not that anybody cares, but Zsa Zsa Gabor died oh, at yeah, 99. Some of the people she that died. She was famous for slapping a cop. She was a socialite and she wasn't my favorite person in the whole world, Actress. but holy crap. Like this, Green this year has like sucked up so many people. Yeah. David you Bowie, know? uh, Prince, um, 
Alan Rickman, yep. Gene Wilder, yeah. uh, Alan Thicke just died not really? too long yep. ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, he died God. like not even a week ago. Uh, Seriously? Yep. Yep. Growing pains? Yep. Uh, Jaja uh, Gabor. No, not growing um, pains. There's, there's quite a few people. I, I know there's... A Vagoda. Yeah, there's uh, many people who are missing from that list. Paul Very from Jefferson Airplane. Yes. Harper Lee, killing, Kill a Mockingbird. Uh... Oh, it's just yeah, crazy. Who, Nancy Reagan, George Martin, who yeah. produced the Beatles. George Martin died this year? Uh, yeah. Emerson, How did I not both hear about Emerson that? and Lake <laughs> from Emerson, Lake, and Palmer died this year. What? Uh, Frank yes. Sinatra Jr. I'm just going down the list here. Jesus. Uh, Gary Shandling. What? Patty Duke. Merle Haggard. Merle Haggard died? Yes. <laughs> oh, my yeah. gosh. Frabi. Uh, <laughs> Muhammad Ali. We do that. I'm, yeah. I had to know that one. Anton Yelchin, who played Chekhov this in the year new Star has Trek claimed movies, so many lives. Killed by his own car. Not to mention all the other crazy crap that's going on. Pat Summit, who was the University of Tennessee coach at the... Michael Cimino, director of The Deer Hunter. Yeah. Ely was all the... Yeah, so night. Zsa Gabor um, is just like one more. Yep. You know, like I I grew up knowing who she was. Like Kenny Baker, who played R two D two. What? Yeah. R two D two is dead. R two D two and Merle Haggard. Arnold Palmer, yeah. the golfer. <laughs> Arnold Palmer died. Yep. Yeah. I'm sorry right, to laugh on that. Janet one. <laughs> Janet Reno, Leonard Cohen, yeah, I knew Robert Vaughn, the actor. Fidel Castro, we knew that one. Uh, yeah, and nobody in cares. In December, <laughs> John Glenn, who just died, the astronaut. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and Alan Thicke, and I guess now Josh Huckleboy just died. So there you go. That's a lot. I don't That's know. a lot of. Well, the the like, list was much more extensive. I just gave you some of the highlights. I don't know who 90% right. of those people are. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, Alan Thicke was in this show back in the 90s called Growing Pains. It was very important to me. Yes. And you should. <laughs> Growing yeah. Pains sounds like one of those terrible And his son sitcoms. made that terrible song. Uh, well, <laughs> he sounds like a disgusting person. I think that's But his it, dad guys. was a nice guy. I I had uh I really want to thank everybody. Uh thank Rob and Luke, Alyssa, and Jeff that's not here. Thanks you know, for, for letting for me a... join whenever I feel <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, we love to have you and your input. I love to be here. I've had some people on Facebook say, Who is that lady that just screams over everybody? <laughs> That's me. Sorry. But, uh, it, I'm a Sagittarius. It has, it has That's been just a very good is. year. A uh, couple of things. We're starting something new next year. Uh, we're going to have uh, at least like probably do three shows a month, and we're going to have two of those shows have guests. The only show is going to be just us. And we've decided for very different, for very various reasons that we're going to call that the romper room. Hold on. Keep going, but I'm going to describe why we're calling it that. <laughs> okay. And so we're going to have that going on. Uh, we're going to be doing that. Like I said, one show, one show a month. Um, also the Patreon is up and the donations are up. If you want to become a Patreon, you will get extra stuff to your box. Did you find it? Tell about the reviews on, uh, I could pull it up if you, oh, like, I if got you it. want. I got it. 
But this this was this was a review dun, that we got dun, on dun, the Conspiranormal uh, iTunes review page. All right, so we're going to start doing this uh, once in a while. We're just going to have just us without a guest. And uh, we decided to call it the Romper Room. And here's why. Because we had a fan post this on an iTunes <laughs> review. And we love feedback. We absolutely do. And I'm not trying you to make fun of anybody. But, Give them that recognition. But, uh, oh, I'm going to. I am okay, going good. to. Well, that's not their real name anyway. Well, no. <laughs> no. But they <laughs> but, will know what their well, tag name is. Maple Bob 23. Oh, Maple Bob said, 23. I like this show for the interviews, but they sound like a bunch of children from Romper Room when they try to understand current events. It eventually winds down to everyone agreeing upon some unicorn and Skittles solution to a current social problem period or whatever and they always agree that unicorns and skittles are the answer that cops are the same as soldiers it gets a point where i simply have to turn it off right after the interview oh so well i agree with you on a certain extent i do i really do like i'm not as knowledgeable on a lot of these subjects as our guests are because our guests have spent their lives researching these things right but I'm very interested in all these subjects and we do, we, we, you know, we talk about things and we throw our opinions out there, but I always try to pose them as this is an idea. You know, this is just how I feel about it. And I expect you to have different feelings. I expect right. all it's a work in progress and we're bringing the right. information to you. We're all here to learn. Sometimes and, we're getting the information but, at the same, at the same time that we're giving it. Right. But I love the term romper room. <laughs> yeah. That's so, pretty great. Yeah. so we're, we're, we're going to adopt that. Thanks to our, our right. lovely listener there. And you know, it wasn't a bad, like he gave us like a four great star review. He just, uh, criticism. So we're, we're, we're going to have, welcome. we're going to have our romper room show and we're gonna we're gonna uh spew our unicorns and skittles at y'all yes, once a month yes, yes you <laughs> who doesn't plenty love of skittles unicorns and skittles i want some kind of ditty uh, to go along with that a little well like, yeah. we'll yeah. luke and i are gonna write something yeah, about unicorns and skittles that. and, and, no and, and <laughs> a new theme song is another thing that i want because i'm tired of the old one <laughs> i'm tired of la marzulli constantly saying human sacrifice hey <laughs> Hey, human gave, sacrifice is no joke, man. I gave you guys a new one, but you didn't like it. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. It's fantastic. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. All our listeners, we really Thanks. appreciate Thanks. Goodbye, you guys. 2016. That's right. Goodbye, 2016. Goodbye. And we will see you. Good riddance. That's someone that Luke and I used to know on the flip side in 2017 on
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. 